5021 David, we got a fender down and two GSWs to the chest. I need you to meet us at Molly's. <laughs> For the most powerful podcast on the planet. Ladies and gentlemen, I go by the name of Leroy Hawkins, and if you're not listening, you obviously ain't learning. Copy that. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride days for us but I'm still in shock I cried like cried the happy tears I couldn't believe it I didn't see that coming me neither me neither what a night what a night people what a night holy shit yes so uh as you guys know we're we're talking about the episodes you just watched so you know like pick your job off the floor if you can because I mean I know we're all just kind of in a state of like Chicago PD induced bliss, which is something I never, ever thought I'd say in a million years. Uh, I have a lot of feelings about that episode. Some are not great, but that ending was amazing. I will take also, it all day, every day. Bryna, I got my birthday wish. Nobody's in mortal peril. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, well, Stella's relation or Stellaride's relationship might be, but other than that, yes. But like, there's no risk of coming back to like horrible injury or death. Yes. Yes. That is Everybody true. safe. Oh my God. What a night. What a night. Wow. Wow. Just, just, just like, let it sink in for a second. Ready? Ready? Mr. And Mrs. Halstead. Haley Upton Halstead. I, yeah, I, I'm still in shock. I'm still in shock. Like when I rewatched it today, and I saw the wedding bands again. I was just like, holy shit. Like, it just hit me all over again. I was like, they're actually married. This is a fan fiction. There are wedding bands, legit wedding bands. I remember how during the first episode, we were like, this isn't going to happen, but we will always have the proposal. Not only will we always have the proposal, <laughs> we will always have the freaking wedding. Yeah, uh, our predictions were dead wrong. But in this case, I'm glad we're dead wrong. Um but even beyond them getting, well, let's save it for the PD section. We'll we'll just save it. We'll just save it. I have a lot of feelings, but yeah. So many feelings. This was a good night, which is something we never get to say during the mid-season finales. During it was- Usually it's like cursing, screaming, throwing things. <laughs> and tonight we get to sit here all blissed out and just like, that was so good. Yeah, this hiatus won't be that bad anymore. It won't. Thank God. Thank God. But these were three really good episodes. Until the end of fire. But yes, yes. I'm not worried about it. I'm we'll not, get there. But I'm not worried. But if I have to pick, you know, mm, it could have been, been better. Let's put it that way. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we do have a little bit of news, even though we're recording this early. Um, we have a little bit of news. There was a quick little question in Matt's Inside Line this week. Uh, somebody named Sarah asked, will Chicago Fire's Brett be visiting her baby sister, Amelia, this season? I read this question and I was just like, oh yeah, that's still a thing. 
You I, that's the sign that Gina definitely doesn't read as much Bretzky fan fiction as I do because no. I see that and I'm like, oh yeah, Amelia, duh. Like Scott and Amelia, duh. Like, duh. I expected them to go the way of like Olive and the grandkid with, with Amelia. I thought they were going to be like out of sight, out of mind. So, I mean, I kind of expected that, but I'm glad they're not. Brett, you know, same. Brett needs some happy things in her life right now. So, indeed. Yeah. So, Derek said, we're definitely going to see her hang out with her kid sister if the writing staff has its way. The only holdup has been the fact that Amelia is only about two years old and there's a pandemic. Derek said, the question becomes, how young can we have people on set? So, we're working through that to find the best way to do this because we do want to see her this year. And then there was an update as they published. Yes, Brett will reunite with her sister Amelia and her father this season and very soon. Okay. All right. I'll take it. Cool. Yeah. I mean, cool. Brett needs all the happy, so I'll take it. Yes. 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 Um, and then we had some uh, just kind of, we had an article, like there were, there was just kind of an onslaught of articles previewing the midseason finales for, you know, Fireman PD. Um, but this one actually had news in it. Yeah, this one actually had news in it. Yeah, and I really hope nobody heard that burp into the mic just now. Um, I didn't, so you just said that. Yeah, I mean, anyway. Just full disclosure. I didn't, I didn't want to hear it later and just be like, oh, crap. Um, okay, so there. this one does have news. This is a preview, but there is some of a look at what's to come. And so, uh, Brenda, take us through it. Okay, so there's a couple questions. Again, a lot of it was like kind of preview stuff, but we did take some that highlighted what's to come. So one question, this is from TV Insider, by the way. Um, so it says last we heard Ethan needed at least two months rehab after his next surgery is the return date for when we'll see him again and Andy and Diane just said you know yes there is we're going to check in with him he'll still going to be going to therapy but he'll be post-surgery in episode 12 and we'll have a really lovely story with him and Dr. Charles in episode 12 but he's still not returning he returns in episode 18 holy shit First of all, I don't understand how can he have a lovely episode, a lovely story with Dr. Charles if he's not back? Like, how can he have a story in episode 12 and still not return? Does that just mean not returning to work? But he's in two episodes? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Like, I would hate to think he has another setback. Like, that would be ridiculous. Yeah. But damn, I really thought for a second, I was like, wait, 18? Is that a typo? It's clearly not a typo, but like, damn. That. So there's got to be what, like 21, 22 seasons tops this this season. Yeah, I get 22 would be my guess. It's probably a full season. So he's not coming back till like March or April. That really just shows how much they love Brian T over there that he was like, I'm going to go do this other show. And he's been gone pretty much like most of the season. And they're like, that's cool. Just pop in and out when you can. Yeah, I know. I'm sad. It makes me sad though, because I thought, like, yeah, I know it was. I figured he'd be gone a couple episodes, sure. But I think I was like, oh, episode 12, 13, he'll be back. 18. That's crazy. Damn. I know. Damn. Wow. Damn. Please don't leave, leave, Branty. Please don't. We've got abandonment issues. Well, according to that deadline article from, you know, when they all signed, they all signed new contracts, what Brian, now I'm like, you know, what do their contracts look like? I don't know, but like he supposedly signed a new contract. So I'm hopeful still. I keep my fingers and toes crossed. But I, I, that to me means nothing anymore. Cause I know it means nothing to me anymore. So I know, um, but there were a couple other questions in there. So one question in there says, you know, which romantic relationships can we expect to see explored going forward? Um, they said, you know, the Marcel Blake Avery triangle, that's definitely something we're exploring, which like, we'll get there. Uh, but they, 
on the exciting hand, they said, we're going to see a romantic relationship for Dr. Scott later, and we're building towards that. Ooh. Which, like, yes, please, give me a Dylan romance. I'm here for that. Do we know them? I don't know, but give me, more. give me a Dylan romance. I, I, I'll take that. Yeah, I, I, would, I would watch that. And then there's another one in here that says, are there any plans to see any past cast member this season? And they said, yes, but we're not going to tell you who. Okay, well, Colin Donald's in Australia, so I think that's safe. Tori's already been on, so unless they're just trying to be like, you know. Dr. Downey's dead. Ava's dead. Yaya? Yaya's show only did 11 episodes. I mean, they got, you know, they didn't get picked up for like a full season, so she's done with our people, our kind of people. Yeah. Maybe that would, I mean, you know, I don't think they'd go much deeper than that. Yeah. And I mean, they're still doing the rookie, so it wouldn't be Robin. Yeah, no. And that, yeah, no. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting one. Interesting. Yep. Big Something time. to keep our eyes off and like start theorizing about, or, you know. For sure. For sure. So that's about all the news we've got. Again, we're recording early. So, you know, anything that's going to come out after the, the finales, it's whatever's dropping is dropping right now. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. So we, we're not in the future, so we don't get to see it, but that's okay. We do have two patron shout outs today, which is awesome. I love our little patron community. Oh my God. It's not so little anymore. No, it's like in the seventies, which I is love crazy. It. Yeah. It's so amazing. Much. I cannot believe that we are so lucky to have this community of listeners and just friends who we hang out with and watch stuff with. Oh my God. Yeah. Best. It's so much fun. So we got a new patron. Her name's Alyssa Hertz. Alyssa, welcome to the family. I'm pretty sure you did already join the Facebook group. So that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, go ahead and, uh, and then we've also got Aaron Judd, who I know definitely joined the Facebook group. So we're excited to have you both there. Um, it's a lot of fun. So definitely. Yeah. There. Yeah, a lot of fun. So um, if you'd like to support the podcast for as little as $2 a month, please check the link in our socials. Um, you can definitely check out the Patreon page, see which tier might be best for you. There's a lot of fun stuff going on. Uh, honestly, I think the best perk right now is the Facebook group. So yeah. Yeah, but uh, we'll we'll do stuff throughout hiatus as well. We'll do like live watches and things like that. Uh, we did a Netflix watch party a couple of weeks ago. We watched a Dolly Parton movie together, and that was a blast. So, so uh, yeah, a lot of fun. So definitely check the link in our socials if you have any questions. Please let us know. Um, yeah, we'd love to have you aboard. So, all right. Without further ado, it's time to move into the episodes, shall we? Let's do it. I'm like jazzed. I'm like I'm excited. Let's uh, do it which never happens before a mid-season finale. Okay, let's start off with Ned. Easily one of the best of the season. Yeah, I mean, for sure. This whole, I mean, again, and we I feel like we sound like broken records now, but we're just going to keep saying it just because it's so true that this season of Ned is like just so good. So good. So good. This, Med is the best it has been this season. Yeah. When it was funny, we were talking with our friend Lizzie from Fangirlish and it was kind of like, it's kind of a surprise that like, you know, a lot of times when you see, I feel like this much change or it feels like to us that there's been this much change in the tone of the show and how well it's been. Like usually that typically comes with like big writer's room shakeups, but there's not been any writer's room shakeups that we know of. So yeah. I don't know what's going on over there, but this season is like excellent. It's so good. They have really found their groove this season and they're killing it. It's so good. 
Yeah. So, so good. Yeah. All right. So let's start off with my beloved William. William. Oh, William. Oh, William. Uh, but this was a good episode for him. This isn't an O. William type situation. No, well, no, the beginning is. Well, the, the beginning. Be- is. The be- yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So if you forgot where we left off, when we left off back like three weeks ago or whatever, Jessa, Little Miss Mascom, had invited Will to the Christmas tree lighting. Okay. Wow. Bold AF. Oh. But Will said yes, which I was like, mm, okay. <laughs> All right. So. They went to the Christmas tree lighting together. Now, I will say this. Every ounce of the scene is cringe. Every oh single God, ounce of it. It's so bad. It's so, so bad. cringe. Like, you you, you can just tell that it was like, you know, let's gather, like, them and, like, 20 extras in this teeny little pod. And let's pretend that there's a big old Christmas tree lighting happening. Like, it's really awkward. It's really awkward. They're counting down. They've got their candles. And then, like, the kids start singing. And, and Jess is like, that's my niece. Whatever. Yay. Well, it wasn't even that part. It wasn't even, like, the scene itself that bothered me. It's just the Jessa Will stuff. Like, it's just, it's just awkward. I mean, and I think it's supposed to be kind of awkward, but it's just, it's so awkward. It's, it's so really awkward. awkward. Yeah. So as if it can't get any more awkward, first off, you know, they have this Christmas tree lighting. I'm also wondering if this is the Christmas tree that collapses an hour later on fire. Um, I don't think so. I don't think so either, but in my head, I'm going to keep it that way just so I can yeah. laugh about it. Yeah, for uh, sure. For sure. But also, but also, also, if you really look closely at this, like this scene with the Christmas tree, oh, I know exactly where that is. Exactly where that is. Um yeah, there's a Walgreens across the street, and then Dylan's candy shop is like. Oh, I do know where that is. I yeah, do know where that is. Yes. If yeah. there's any doubt as to whether we miss Chicago. Yeah, we, we went. Didn't we go in that Walgreens? Yeah, we did go in that Walgreens. Yep, it's like hidden because uh, I went there one time for like headache meds or something at night, and like the guys at the hotel were like, "Yeah, you, it's, it's at the Walgreens," and I'm walking like back and forth. I'm like, "Okay, I hit the river. I went too far. Where the hell is this Walgreens?" And then you realize it's like tucked into the shopping center. <laughs> I miss Chicago so much. <laughs> I know. I miss it so much. <laughs> <sighs> Kills me. So this is cringy enough, right? Well, Jessa is like, "Hey." Why don't we go back to my place? I have this eggnog recipe I want you to try. (laughs) It's so bad. It's, she is bold, bold. Because listen, nine times out of 10, in a world that is not Chicago Med, a girl does not just invite you over just to taste her eggnog, okay? (laughs) Like. Okay, but I have a question. You just said in a world that is not, Chicago men so obviously okay kind of cutting to chase like we know that Will is like doing this right to record and you know secretly or whatever right but Will has ulterior motives do we also not think that Will did something with her or are we thinking that was like totally you know platonic and he just recorded her okay so two things here. One is that I'm the wrong person to ask. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Like I'm going to (laughs) give him the benefit of the doubt, but I I would like to think that everybody else would give him the benefit of the doubt here too. And second, I think if anything, I think she might've made an advance towards him and he was a gentleman and was like, sorry, this is not that. See, I, okay. I don't think he did either. I just, I had to obviously ask because Mm -hmm. we've been making jokes about the fact that like, once Will accepted this date, whatever, that, like, of course, he's going to sleep with her. I don't think he did, but I don't think it was because he was a gentleman. I just think that he was so focused on getting the recording mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But, like, that was the only reason he said, like, it wasn't because he's not interested. Because I think if Real had really wanted to, I think he would have slept with her. We've also got to think about how risky this is on his part, okay? Like, super risky. Like I was saying before, a girl doesn't just ask you to her apartment just to taste your eggnog, which sounds so dirty, but also I want to make it into a shirt. Um, oh my God, yes. Please I know. make that into a shirt. I know. Oh man, we've got some, sh- yeah. But I mean, this is risky just in the fact that like she's, she she said at the beginning of the season that she's just starting out her career, right? That makes her maybe like anywhere from 22 to 24, right? I think she's, I don't think she's 22, but yes, I'd say like 24, 25. Yeah, she's a baby. She's a baby. She's just starting out. And when you're just starting out in your career, you're a mess, okay? Like you don't know, you'll do anything as long as it's like going to impress the boss, right? Um, And years from now, it's the kind of stuff you look back on and you're like, well, shit, okay, I was just a little overeager. Uh, Will is like, you know, I, I know in real life, Nick is, Nick's about to be like 37, right? Right. So if Will's about the same age, then I mean, that could so easily go the wrong way. And I think back to the newsroom. I don't know if you remember this episode just because it's been so long since we've watched the newsroom. But um, when Don has to interview the girl on campus about, I think it's like a college rape scandal. And he makes a point to stand as far away from her in the room as he possibly can. That's what I think back to because it could go wrong so quickly. And all Jessa needs to do is misconstrue one thing and all of a sudden we've got a severide terror little situation here's the thing okay so yes i do remember that episode um god i miss that show by the way i know so that in there i miss that show especially now um but i think two things one i think will thinks i a, I don't think will's thinking that far ahead i don't think mm-hmm. as much as you know i don't think he's that smart i mean he's smart but i don't think he's smart to think like that but two, I think Will, regardless of whatever happened, Will has the recording on his side, right? Like, you know, obviously it's not the same as like having the video of what happened, but still you have a recording. He would be safe, at least in that circumstance. Um, but yeah, I like said, I don't think anything happened either just because of the fact that like Will was so gung-ho and like, I got to get the recording. I got to, you know, bring this down, you know, once and for all. But still, I had to just throw it out there. No, exactly. And I, I was wondering that too. I mean, obviously, but uh, Jessica cuts right to the chase. So like they sit down after they have the super awkward, like sip of their eggnog. Um, <laughs> and then she's like, mm, too much vanilla. Will's like, no, you got it. Perfect. Go, what do you know about eggnog? Will? What? <laughs> Just, I love him. He's such a mess, but I love him so much. Uh, so she cuts right to the chase and they start talking about Vascom. And so just listen, listen to this clip. For every VASCOM catheter the hospital ordered, Dr. Cooper received a percentage. Really? Wow. Yeah, I mean, these catheters are used once and then discarded. If we got enough departments behind them, the hospital could go through thousands. What do you think? That sounds great. But, I mean, isn't this kind of like kickbacks? You don't have to worry about that. I mean, you're completely safe. Good. Wait, but Medicare, the insurance companies, they, they don't ever question these charges? You'd be surprised. I mean, Vascom catheter is a small ticket item. They hardly notice. And besides, even if someone did question it, then the doctor could always justify it clinically. I mean, that's the beauty part. Look, you don't have to give me an answer tonight, but let me just say, I think you and I would be a good team. That is exactly the dialogue we've been looking for for nine episodes now. Yep. 
Yep. Got him. I mean, and we kind of knew, right? Like we kind of were on to something. It was just like, what are the exact details? You know, like, I think we all kind of knew, but yeah, just to have it like finally all laid out for us. Like this is what actually has been happening. It just like, it's about damn time. Yeah. Yeah. And you probably heard it in the clip, how like the, her voice kind of shifts. I love the way they shifted it from the clip in the apartment to the phone audio where he just puts it on the desk and like plays it out that way. I love it. Oh, that was really good. But yeah, it turns out Will was recording the entire time. So um, he kind of learned his lesson from the, the convention that they were at. And like, instead of like making a point to be like, hey, on a second, beep, like he hit record probably long before he got into the apartment. But yeah, he shares it with Goodwin and Arthur, the attorney guy. I finally learned his name and now I can't I like- I still couldn't remember it. I finally learned his name and now I can't just call him attorney guy whose name we don't know because now I know it. I hate it. But yeah, it was just a fun bit. But I did laugh really hard when Arthur's like, well, this is a freaking disaster. I was like, ooh, ooh, I'm going to gift that one for posterity. That was good. Yeah. But I laughed at that. But Goodwin is like, she is chomping at the bit to go to the FBI. She's like, okay, let's go. Let's go now. Like, like, we've only been working through this for months. Like, it's time now. Like, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, And Arthur's like, yeah, no, Um, we're going to brief the board before we do this. Uh, so yeah. Oh, oh, Goodwin was on a whole other level this episode. Yeah. So good. So Will and Dylan, they get a patient together and they have a baby and she's been throwing up for the last couple of days. So she's like super dehydrated. They get some fluids, they run some more tests and they think it's pretty much just the stomach flu at this point. But of course we know when, you know, they walk in, they're like, it sounds like it's just stomach flu. You check your watch and you're like, oh, it's 715. Okay. No, it's not. (laughs) <laughs> it's yeah. not the stomach flu. Um, I did both like laugh and roll my eyes when they walked in and the dad was like, so we looked on the internet and this is what she has. And Dylan was like, that's not what she has. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's just talk about that. Let's slow your roll now. Like, yeah. Doctor, uh, who's the doctor here? Like, oh, I, 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 I feel, I feel doctors must like, they, they must hate that. They must hate that. Oh yeah. Yeah. That must suck. So yeah, they're just going to keep monitoring the baby. Meanwhile, Will goes to see Cooper and Cooper's just like living his best life. I don't even know. He's in some like fancy wing of the hospital and satin PJs. And he's telling Will all about how he's going to like get some villa in Montenegro with his wife. And he's going to open up for for two two months. months. I was like, damn. Yeah. On a two month vacation. I mean, damn. Yeah. Um, the one line that got me was when Will walked in and he was like, man, I'm sure lucky I was with you. Yes. Generally, Matt Cooper, when you are in the presence of another doctor, when you have a heart attack, you usually are a very lucky person. That's usually how that works. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so he's like, oh yeah, I'm going to go to Montana and open like this bougie concierge practice, which I wonder if that was, uh, Jeff Dreyer's doing, cause he used to write on Royal Pains and that was about concierge medicine but he's going to go like open this concierge business and live this bougie life where he doesn't have to work as hard. And Will's just like, so do you regret it? Like the Vascom stuff. And Matt's like, why would I do that? Never like whatever. So then finally Arthur comes back and the board would rather, and I quote, deal with it quietly, which is corporate America speak for we're going to let them get away with it. And not cause any drama. So we don't get bad press. Yeah. So we don't get bad press, which means Cooper walks, the Vascom people walk, and everybody is free to go do this at whatever other hospital they want. The kickbacks continue, all that shit. 
Will is so mad. Will is mad. Oh, he's so mad. Just listen. Hell, I'll go to the FBI. You can't go to the FBI. Sure I can. Your whole purpose in bringing me here was to get evidence to take to them. And you did that. You validated my suspicions and I thank you. Okay, Matt is planning a setup shop in a billionaire enclave in Montana. You know, he can plan anything he wants. All due respect, Ms. Dr. Goodwin. Halstead, you came to me because you wanted your job back. You got it. Now this is over. It's time for you to focus on medicine. Yeah, so she knows he's a Halstead, right? I, I know. He is. Like, he's a Halstead. He doesn't know how to, like, let things go and just focus on one thing. Yeah. Also, his yeah. brother is a detective. So, like, also, his brother's a detective. Yeah. Although, when he when he was like, I'll call the FBI myself, I was like, now, will you start with Jay or will you go back with the girl who uh, handled the Ray case? You've got your options here. Or you just go to FBI over on CBS, you know, yeah. another Dick Wolf property. I mean, and the crossovers are endless. People. We are always going to find a way to relate it back to FBI. We want this crossover, okay? Like, one day, we're going to make it happen. God damn it. One day. Maybe we're not manifesting. We're manifesting that ish, though. Yes. Manifesting. Just just pick up the phone and call OA and be like, hmm, my brother's fiance, if I even know that they're engaged, worked with this guy in New York this one time. Um, maybe I can talk to her about who to talk to at the FBI. And then we've got our crossover. Yep. Hmm. We're just going to have to start finding ways to bring in the FBI on everything. I mean, it's already happened twice this year. So, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. They don't need to work with the Chicago Bureau. Psh, forget them. Work with New York. Yeah. New York, please. Only Please. New York. I mean, international too, fine. Most wanted, sure. But like, yeah. I will never yeah. not take a, an excuse to loop in Forrester. Um, I'm kind of obsessed, but you know that. I haven't yeah. seen this week's yet, by the way. I gotta. I haven't either. That's tomorrow. That's tomorrow. So good. So good. Anyway, that's another discussion. So the baby starts crashing. They send the baby for a CT and Will is just being like, Will's, Will's just being sad boy Will in this episode. Like after the whole FBI thing, he's just like, mm, nobody likes me. Like I'm going to go eat worms. <laughs> and so he's just really pissed at the world. He's like, oh, what did this little girl ever do to deserve this? And then he storms off and Dylan's like, all right, somebody's going through something. Like, all right, whatever. Um, even when Will said that, I was like, that's a little bit of a reach, Will, but I see what you're aggressive, but like, okay, I got, I get it. Okay. Well, you're mad. We, we know. (laughs) So the tests come back. The baby has something called an OTC deficiency. It's pretty serious, but, um, she should be okay in the end. She'll, she'll need a liver transplant, but Will again, like is pissed at the world. Sub he's like subtweeting while talking. I don't don't know. (laughs) He's being passive aggressive is the better way to put it. But Dylan's like, okay, fine. Like I'm taking the bait. What the hell, what is going on? Like, tell me. And Will's just like, you know, you got a baby, totally innocent, has to suffer while a bunch of crooks in this world are getting away with everything. And then he's like, I'll see you at the Christmas party. Hope the spike is, or the the punch is spiked. (laughs) Sad boy Will. Sad boy Will. Sad boy Will. That's your move. New Will unlocked. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Oh, Will. So then we get to the Christmas party. And I mean, Will fully dissect the Christmas party. Oh my goodness. This was just like the Christmas party that just kept giving shit goes down at the christmas party oh man does shit go down okay so you know we'll we'll get to like the gist of it with you know we had abrams as santa doris as the elf it was just like it was amazing basically is what it was we had ugly christmas winners like the sick kids christmas presents really cute you know oh my god perfection 
perfection. And right when you think it can't get any more perfect, the FBI walks in. And so they walk right up to Goodwin and they're like, hey, you know, we talked, here's the warrants and everything that we talked about. And Goodwin's like, cool, thanks. So agents come up around Dr. Cooper. They come up around Jessa. They arrest him. They take him away. Oh my God, it's amazing. And why Jessa is pissed. She's like, how could you do this, Will? Like, how could you do this to me? And she is like, pissed. And Cooper's like, oh my God, it was you? Wait, what? It's just, it's so good. It's amazing. It's amazing. And so Will's like, what, you called the FBI? And she's like, yeah, of course I did. Dude, she pulled voice hey like she did the whole like tell me the truth so i can lie for you she pulled a voice she stepped up like yeah that was badass i know i don't know what i expected more if it was i didn't i I didn't expect sharon to step up like that i also am really surprised that will did not go rogue yes to both of those like this is how you do leadership right like it's not on will she is right like it wasn't will you know this was her doing she's the one that brought the case and like as the person in charge like this is her fight and so she when she tells will she's like you know i told you to stand down like this is my responsibility not yours like any and all fallout's gonna land on me like yeah but like this is how you leadership like this is how you do leadership i mean i bow down to the queen that is goodwin like i bow down and like she and she protected him straight up she knew what they were doing was risky she knew she was putting him in a risky spot and she stepped up well not even just putting will in a risky spot like now her job's on the line and she did that still knowing the fact that like she probably is gonna get fired or demoted or something or you know her job's gonna be at risk for sure and she still did it anyway and that's how you do leadership i mean again i bowed down to queen goodwin to me, this was to me, this was a slam dunk, right? Even if she loses her job, I think she goes out knowing that she did the wrong thing or the right thing. I'm sorry. She's not gonna lose her job though. This is med. No, I mean, yeah, this is this is med and like she may end up in a different job or something, mm-hmm. you know, something within the hospital, whatever, you know, yada yada yada. But yeah, for sure. I mean. But this is the kind of thing, it's really nice that we were able to resolve the storyline and there's no lingering like but this, but that. No, Will and Goodwin did the right thing. I am curious to see though the aftermath right because obviously like we said goodwin's job is probably going to be in jeopardy i don't know what else is going to happen obviously the hospital's reputation is now whatever it is like mm-hmm. i i'm just i'm curious to see what the aftermath is um but i am sad though because i guess that needs no more michael Brady. <laughs> i know i thought about that too even when arthur came up with like the alternative when he was like we're going to keep it quiet and that means cooper gets fired i was like but but <laughs> but <laughs> We don't like Cooper, but we like him. Well, it's not even that we didn't like Cooper. I mean, I guess we didn't like Cooper because he took kickbacks. But like, I didn't hate Cooper. They again, they did a good job in casting Michael Reedy because he's an actor a lot of people are familiar with and a lot of people like him. So we weren't inclined to, you know, hate Cooper off the bat, you know. Yeah, but oh man, oh it was so good, so good. It's the only time the FBI is going to roll up to a party and we're going to be like, yeah. (laughs) Okay, but so. At this point, by the time people are listening to this, you will have posted it, I hope. Can we talk about your TikTok? <laughs> I have rewatched it like 20. It, it's so fucking funny. <laughs> I was just having fun. I just, I, I, it came, the doc came to me last night. Like, cause you know, when I'm in the car, you know, if I, I, I have idle time in any way, shape or form, that's where my mind goes. And I just was like, go best friend. I was like, <laughs> good job self. I do that thing quite a bit when I, sometimes I get an idea that makes me laugh. Like I make myself laugh. 
And I'm like, I'm going to run with it if it's good or bad. So it's just, it's so fun. Again, I've been dying like since you texted it to me. It's so funny. It's true though. Like we're all in the corner, like go best friend. <laughs> like, yeah, good one. Yeah. Yeah. Finally. Right. All these years of like Goodwin being like, I should fire you, but I'm not. And this time she's like, no, this is my house. Like you fucked up. Fuck off. Yeah. Fuck yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. Yeah. So good. I, and I was thinking too, about like, what's the, like the fallout. Cause I, part of me feels a little bit bad for Jessica just cause she is so young in her career. I am willing to bet dollars to donuts. that like, she did not, she had no idea that what she was doing was wrong. Like she's so new to the field. She probably got taken advantage of. And so I don't, listen, I, I don't think that at all. <laughs> I just, I, I think she knew what she was doing. I think there's a reason she had that conversation with him in her apartment and not, you know, in a hospital setting or in a public setting. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I just, I, I don't, I, Jessica can fuck off. I, <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, I felt good about that. I was like, oh, that was wonderful. So, yeah. Moving on to Stevie and Vanessa. Bryna, take it away. Yes. I really love the Stevie and Vanessa friendship pairing, whatever we're, you know, that's like slowly developing. It's really, I really They're like a that. good pair. I really like it. Uh, but before we get into Vanessa and Stevie, we've got Vanessa and Maggie because Vanessa's drug test results came back and they are negative. Thank God. Um, she's not going to get caught. Um, but Maggie, of course, is the one to start out and she is apologizing. She's like, you know, I feel like this whole thing is my fault. You know, all the pressure I put on you, blah, 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 blah. And Vanessa, though, like, calms her down. She's like, no, no, like, it's not. I swear it's not all you. And she, But she does, like, kind of understand, like, why Mal- Maggie sought her out, you know, all that stuff. A nice mother-daughter, biological mom-daughter moment, whatever you want to call them, you know. Um, but really a nice moment. So... But then again, so then we move into Vanessa and Stevie and they get a patient who has had a seizure and is running a fever and has like a slightly enlarged liver. So they're like, okay, it's test time. Like let's run some tests. Um, And, but Maggie comes in though, as they're like taking the patient out to run some tests and mentions that the patient's insurance like wouldn't run, but she's like, no worries. Like we'll figure it out, whatever. It's fine. But like, just, you know, FYI, your insurance isn't working. I get that the point of this was to show that like, you know, there's more going on, but also I thought it was super awkward how every time something went wrong, Maggie popped up and was like, your insurance went dick, your credit card got declined. Like the woman's having a seizure, just like let her live, let her deal. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was definitely to illustrate that like something, you know, all this stuff has been going on behind the scenes, but Mm -hmm. I don't think it would have happened like that in real life. So, yeah. Um, but so they go back and check on the patient. She is jaundiced. So they're like, again, they run more tests. And now though Mackie comes back, like you just said, and she's like, oh, your credit card's declined. And she's like, okay, but it's fine. We'll figure it out. Like you're going to run more tests. And it's just like, okay, this is awkward. Um, but of course the tests don't show anything, but Stevie being Stevie and the genius that she is, she has a hunch on something based that like when she was homeless that she, you know, she saw once. So Stevie does like a thorough examination of the patient and finds a scab like on the back of her neck from an insect bite. So they do some more research. They figure out that turns out their patient has typhus, which she got from a flea bite, which is what that scab was. It's like microscopic. How did that like, okay, first off, how did that bite get so big? But also like fleas are like teeny tiny. I just, 
Well, that I was, think it's because yeah. they mentioned the fact that obviously the flea then came from like a rat, which, you know, it's mm-hmm. obviously all the disease got transferred from the rat. So like, I guess if it's a diseased flea, then the bite got infected and she didn't know, like, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't think fleas are that big, but. That's like new fear unlocked, man, that a flea bite can lead to all that. Yeah, I know. Ooh. Um, and so finally the patient comes clean about like what's really been going on. Um, you know, she admits to her husband, boyfriend, whoever that was in the room with her that, you know, she got fired from her job and has actually been going to their storage unit every day to pretend like she's going to the office uh, when in fact, really, you know, she's just going there to look for jobs and yada, yada, yada. But so she'll be fine. You know, typhus is curable. It, it, she'll be fine. But this prompts Stevie and Vanessa to have this talk at the desk about the fact, you know, Stevie goes on about, you know, the fact that like, it, you know, her, she's kind of been in the similar situation about she hid the fact that her mom was homeless, you know, they were homeless for a while and yada, yada, yada. And how hard that was. And then Vanessa mentions, you know, that she's been keeping up a lie too. And like, it's costing, you know, her a lot. Can I share what an airhead I am? Okay. So this is airing and I'm watching it or whatever. And Vanessa's like, yeah, it's costing too much. The first thought in my head, I'm like, Vanessa, it was just Adderall. Jeez. (laughs) Cut to the Christmas party. And I was like, oh, that. (laughs) You didn't get the whole setup from the first scene, you know, when they're, anyway. Anyway, my mind is going in my old age. (laughs) Yeah, you're old age 35 now. So old. So old. Um, So, yeah, kind of what you just talked about. So, this prompts this whole conversation, this whole, you know, patient prompts Vanessa to grab the mic microphone from Dr. Abrams at the Christmas party. And she tells the whole hospital that Maggie's her biological mom. Um, She's like, you know, I'm so grateful and blessed to have her in my life. I mean, I love the sentiment and I love that she did it. And I love that she's not afraid to hide it anymore. But like, that was kind of awkward. It was so awkward. It's like when somebody who's drunk at the wedding, like grabs the mic and it goes from all cheery to like super uncomfortable. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, and they didn't, nobody really knew what to do. So they kind of start clapping and it's just like. Dr. Charles like led the slow clap. He was like, uh. Well, and then my favorite is like, they pan to Cooper who starts clapping. And I'm like, Cooper, what the fuck are you doing in this? Like, you're not in here. Like, he doesn't even know what's happening. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, what the. Um, But a nice moment. I'm really curious to see how this changes their dynamic moving forward. Like, are they still just friends? Do they try to have like more of a mother-daughter bond? Like, you know, how does this change everything? I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that, I'm glad that Vanessa is starting to come around to Maggie. I think that's going to be really good. Now, like what, where the hell did Ben go? <laughs> yeah. Where is, where the fuck is Ben? Can we solve that mystery now? Where the hell is Ben? Cause uh, Maggie deserves the world. We always say that, but it's true. Maggie deserves the world. And so I'm glad that Vanessa's coming around to her because well, Maggie I think deserves all the good too, things. Obviously, like, obviously Goodwin knew because Maggie told her, Dr. Charles knew because Maggie told her him. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that everyone else didn't find out for like an on accident. Like, I'm glad it was Vanessa's choice to tell everyone because mm-hmm. that, like you said, it shows that she's come around and she realizes like, Maggie wasn't trying to overstep or like be her mom. She was just trying to get to know her or whatever. And so now that Vanessa realizes that it's, you know, I think it's going to be only for the better. So for sure, for sure. But yeah, everybody's face had like, they didn't know what to do. And then like, if you look at Dylan behind Dr. Charles, he's like uncomfortable and he's like, um, okay. okay? I mean, again, great moment, but like awkward, awkward, awkward. Yes. Yeah. So 
Moving into Crockett. Oh, you want to talk about about awkward? Can we talk about something else that's awkward? I mean. Okay. Uh, Okay. Oh, Oh, boy. Like, okay. So we start off and we see Avery. Hey, Avery. Hi. Like. Love you. I, I, I still fucking love Avery. I know. I love her too. I love her. I love that she's like isn't afraid to be silly and you know make jokes but then you know can also be serious like I I I just love Avery I think she's perfect for Crockett she's fantastic yeah she's fantastic so um they just have their cute little banter and then Dr. Blake is like please don't bother Dr. Marcel like he's working and she's like okay Dr. Marcel (laughs) I love her like she the jokes I just I fucking love Avery I love her yeah I love her I love her so much so their patient, Dr. Blake and Crockett, their patient's finally getting their liver, his liver transplant, finally. Uh, so, you know, they have this moment with the family and everything. I caught one thing that I was like, what? Did, did Crockett say the guy's blood type was D negative? I was trying to Google and see if that's even a thing. I couldn't find anything, but I'm not saying he didn't say that. I just, I was trying to Google, you know, maybe it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm, let me see what the internet says here. Let's see, let's see. The D antigen in the RH system determines, yeah. okay, that's, that's, what are the six major blood types? There we go. Thank you, Google. Um, let's see, four major blood types in human, O, A, B, and A, B. Okay, but you said there were six. Things that go over our head, so I guess it could technically be a thing, but I... Individuals with type O RHD negative blood are often called universal donors. Well, he's not a universal donor if it was so rare to match the liver. Yeah. Okay, we're going to need Jeff or Connor to clear that up. Somebody, please. <laughs> please? We're not doctors. We just watch a lot of medical shows. Yeah, when he said D negative, I was like, is that even a thing? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so then later on, Dr. Blake and Crockett are looking at scans for this guy. And they're like plotting their way in for the surgery or whatever. And they're standing kind of close. Uh, okay, question though for you, because before we get into it, does this feel like this is all kind of coming out of left field? Yes. It just, it feels so weird. Like it feels like this whole, all this stuff is coming out of left field and I don't like it. Well, yes, but no. Yes, but no. I'll get into, I'll get into why. Um. Yeah, because, okay, if you if you look back on it, Avery, Avery's been the one who's been, like, pushing everything forward, right? Asked him out for drinks. She's been flirting. Right. Crockett has rebuffed her advances at every single go, okay? Every single go. Well, in the beginning, he did, but then he went for drinks, and they- He went for flirting. drinks. He wouldn't go to her place, though. I guess, but- So, yes, but no, because we we wanted Avery and Crockett, but I don't know if Crockett feels the same way about Avery. We, we haven't gotten that indication. Don't- put that out in the universe I, no, 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 no. I didn't hear you say that no, 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 no. I, I don't I know. To believe I know. it this, this, love, this is just so weird I know okay so so they're they're plotting their plan of attack and out of nowhere uh, Dr. Blake just goes is that aftershave and so uh, yeah okay it's it's awkward first off but also okay i learned in this episode that there there's like a companion pack to the crockett voice okay you know how crockett has the charm voice there's a companion pack to it so it's not just the charm voice he has a charm stare and a charm stance and so he gives her the charm stare in this scene where like she's right by him and he just like from where he's standing he just looks at her with like those eyes and 
I can't even recreate it, but he has the Crockett charm stare. Did you notice that? Crockett is just so full of swagger. I mean, I just, everything about him is just, yeah. It really is. And, and I thought about this too, because I was like, okay, this is sick. Like he's in a love tri- triangle with a mother and daughter. Like I what? I mean, like the what? hell? What? what the hell? What the fuck? But also the swagger on that man <laughs> to be in a love triangle with a mother and daughter, right? It's so weird. This is like one of those things you read about in like taboo romance novels, but you don't really see ever play out in like mainstream media. But I guess we're going, Ned's deciding like, fuck it all. And we're going to go there. You've got to have some serious game to be in a love triangle with a mother and daughter. Okay. Yeah, That's all I'm Crockett, saying. Only, I mean, granted, I don't know how well this is going to go, who he's going to end up with, yada, yada, yada. But only Crockett could pull this off. It's true. Only it's Crockett. True. I don't even think. And you know who else could pull it off in the one Chicago universe? I think there's only one other person I can think of that would. Uh, Adam. No. Who? No way. Kevin. Oh, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin's such a smooth operator. Yes, 100% Kevin. I can't believe you said Adam. LOL. Well, because Adam, Adam wants to be like Kevin. Like, yeah, Adam wants to have Kevin's moves, but Kevin is the only one who can execute Kevin's moves. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, Crockett and Kevin are the only ones who could ever find themselves in somewhat of this situation and, like, pull it off. Whatever pull it off means, but pull it off. We don't get enough of Kevin flirting and showing game, okay? Like, yeah. The, 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 what does he do? The lip bite? Yeah. Or, like, he does the tongue thing, like, where he's just, yeah, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So Crockett now has the charm stare, the charm voice, the charm stance, everything, the charm stare, like I'm, I'm going to try and execute it again, but he's like standing close and he just like looks down like, yeah, you can't see what I just did, but it's hot, whatever it is. (laughs) Okay. So you guys know Crockett does this to us. So their guy crashes. The liver failure is making his brain swell. And so there's a new goal. Abrams is in the loop now too. We want to reduce the pressure in his brain so we can still do the transplant. Okay. So Abrams is like, okay, well I can do this ginormous procedure, but then you've got to put off the transplant and he's cool with it. But Blake and Crockett are like, no, like, no, he's got a rare blood type. The liver's only going to be viable for like X amount of minutes. Like we need to move forward. And so, um, Crockett just kind of like channels his inner Dr. Rhodes and he just goes, I say we go for it. Like, ooh, ooh, your, your Connor God complex is showing Crockett. My goodness. Um, <laughs> I honestly, I think it turns Dr. Blake on because she's just like, yeah, That's yeah. She said she wanted, right? Like, remember she said, I don't know if it was the last, well, the episode eight or an episode before that, but she said something about like along the lines of like, oh, if I had wanted this doctor, like I wouldn't have had, you know, I thought I was getting this version of Crockett you know she likes this version of Crockett that's what she's always wanted to work with this this version of Crockett so yeah yeah so they decided to go for it um side note but we really need to get Brendan Elliott on the pod we need to a- Abrams he needs to come on the pod I know I, we really need to make that happen yeah I love it I love 2022. it I, we got a, I got some other ideas so for people who I want on so 2022 it's happening make him a regular already like I, I love him I, he's so funny yeah. Uh, so then in surgery, they have the whole like brain versus liver debate because his, his intracranial pressure is still like going up, and, but they're still like gung ho on getting the liver done. And so uh, 
Dr. Blake is like, I, I keep wanting to call her Donna and I keep catching myself. So I yeah, I want to call her Sarah Rafferty instead of Dr. Blake. I'm like, Sarah Rafferty. No, that's the actress. Not- that's where my, my brain wants to call her Donna. And this is what's the actress's name. And then I'm like, crap, I can't remember that Dr. Blake. So like 10 <laughs> seconds later, she's not Donna anymore. She's not Donna anymore. Yeah. So uh, she's just like, okay, well, you need to just like shut up and treat her medically. Like that's how this is going to work. And so he's like, Ugh, fine, push meds. And it works. It works. So liver transplant done. Awesome. Dream team. Yay. Cut to the doctor's lounge. Oh my goodness. Okay. So we're in the doctor's lounge. There's champagne. There's the charm stance. We're like, he's super, super close and giving her the charm stare at the same time. That's the charm stance. You know what I'm talking about. I do. Yeah. And now there's mistletoe. Who puts mistletoe in a professional <laughs> office setting? Med is just a big HR complaint. Like they're just a big walking it's HR. It's always been a big HR complaint. So there's champagne. There's the charm stance. There's the charm stare. There's mistletoe. And what the fuck just happened? <laughs> they kissed. I know. I'm I'm laughing because I'm like I don't like it. I I don't there like was it. Like I there. It's not chemistry between the actors. It's just there, there was no, like, you know how sometimes when like, your first, sh- when your ship has their first kiss and it's just electric, like you feel it. It's like the fairy tale moment where the shockwave goes out. There mm-hmm. was absolutely none of that with this kiss. None of I it. just like, no, <laughs> I want to say something intelligent and like, I just know. Yeah. This it's is just... not my Crockett ship. <laughs> this is not like. Okay, yeah, obviously I was very in on, you know, Natalie and Crockett last year and that burned and I was like, oh, who am I going to ship Crockett with now? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Avery came along and I was like, oh, I like this chemistry. I like the banter. This is amazing. She's awesome. Go for Avery. And now we're getting a love triangle with mom and daughter and I just, the Dr. Blake Crockett potential pairing has does nothing for me. This is almost like, irreparable to the Crockett Avery stuff. It's so awkward. And okay, hang on a second. Cause we really got to talk about what happens if Crockett still like plays the other side of this. Like if we come back in the latter half of the season and he does not tell Avery about the kiss with her mom, that is dog territory Crockett. Don't you dare. I know part of me is not looking forward to this triangle play now only because I'm worried what it's going to do to Crockett as a character. Like, are we going to go back to season shit? What's the, season five Crockett like when we first met him and he was like the other man to April and Ethan like do we need I don't want that Crockett back there was a reason I didn't like Crockett back then yeah and that Crockett did not give a fuck either he was like yeah I just go around ruining relationships what is it what (laughs) yeah I just but I feel like right I mean that interview with um Andy and Diane I mean that's definitely something they're exploring is the triangle so like I guess that we are going to play the Avery side again which like at this point, I'm just like, Avery, you can do better. Go off. Get out of here. Bye-bye. Yeah. Now that he's kissed Dr. Blake, Avery, go go on The Bachelor. Go go I date. Think, right? Like, I don't think I would have a problem with him if they truly was like, oh, it's just mistletoe. Like, ha, ha, ha. Joke's on us. And then Crockett did go tell Avery and Avery's cool with it. I wouldn't have a problem with that. But that's clearly not where we're going with this. Crockett seems to have enjoyed that kiss and is like intrigued and so I I I'm not here for this I think Crockett caught feelings I don't know about feelings but he's definitely intrigued 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then they go down the stairs at the Christmas party, and Doctor Blake is like, "So what happened upstairs was just for fun." And Crockett gives the cro- he gives the smile, and he's just like mistletoe. Well, it's never she, just mistletoe, okay? And she smiles too. Doctor Blake smiles as she walks away too, and I'm just like, "Fuck." She also didn't stick around for the Christmas party, okay, Scrooge? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I I just I'm not enjoying I I. I'm not enjoying this pairing. I'm not looking forward to this triangle. I hope we don't ruin Crockett because right now Crockett is my favorite character. I'm with you. I'm not. I'm not. I know. No, I'm with you. I'm not. This is, I was, I was really enjoying it. And then now I'm like, oh. And you remember with Natalie and Crockett when they went from like flirting to like whatever bed scene it was like right out immediately. And we were just like, whoa, like it was, it was like, there was like an earthquake, like a shockwave went through the fandom because it was that electric. Nothing happened here. It was just disappointing. I I don't see, I see chemistry like professionally. I think they, you know, I like the fact that when they first started working together, it kind of challenged Crockett in a way to like push him professionally towards a different goal. I'm here for that. I don't mind that. I just romantically, I ain't feeling this shit. This is not not what gets me excited about a Crockett ship. This is not feeling this shit. I'm not feeling this shit. No, no. So we will see. We will see. But make good choices, Crockett. Damn it. Yeah. As long as I was, let's put it this way too. Before we move on, I will say, as long as we don't, Crockett is still a person that I can root for. I guess I can potentially get behind something. But if Crockett becomes that season five Crockett that I didn't like, I'm gonna be really sad. Yeah, it's a little scary. A little yeah. scary. So. Next up, we have um, we have Archer. Blah. Okay. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. So Archer gets a patient, and basically the patient is super lucky because the guy went to step in front of a bus and then hit his head, but ultimately, like a good Samaritan pulled him back. So he's not fine. You know, he's fine for the most part. You know, whatever. But of course, Archer being Archer is like, yeah, it's a suicide attempt, you know. Mental health doesn't belong in the ED, you know, that's still his stance, you know, yada, yada, yada. But it's not. Turns out that this guy has a history, of course, once Dr. Charles gets brought in and, you know, talks to him, he's schizophrenic. But again, Archer has this whole mental health that does not belong in the ED stance, which, of course, so Archer's thrilled to hear that this guy's a schizophrenic. He, uh, he suffers from schizophrenia. Ah, psychotic. Well, uh, I've treated his injuries. Send him upstairs. Uh, you know, he's not a danger to anybody, Dean, and um, clearly been very responsible about his treatments. Something destabilized him, so I'm just gonna gonna keep him down here till I figure out what. Well, I'm sure you know what's best, but uh, on behalf of all of our other patients, the ED is a frightening enough place as is, but when you add the mentally ill into the mix, it can only compound people's fears. Yeah. I hate him not a good still not a good look not a good like look. there's being the grumpy guy in the ed but there's also like keeping your opinions to yourself yeah there's also just like you shouldn't judge people and you know just because you think you should run the ed one way doesn't mean you can you know judge people for the fact that you know they're not okay it's like the age-old sentiment that we try to teach kids like if you have nothing nice to say just don't say it it's not a bad yeah. thing to live by when you're an adult either. Nope. Yeah. Um, 
so Dr. Charles, of course, is like not having archership. And he goes back and talks to the patient and try to pinpoint like why this episode happened in the first place. But again, Archer later on, Dr. Charles like walks out of the room that time and it's like, Archer's like, is he out now? And Dr. Charles is like, no, calm, calm down, calm down. And so Dr. Charles decides he's going to take Archer and show him something. So we, they go up to Dr. Charles' office and it's some sort of simulation that is used for psych residents to give them kind of a sense of what some of the patients experience. So they, Dr. Archer puts this, you know, headpiece thing on. Dr. Charles leaves the room and Archer, it clearly has an effect on Archer, right? Because like he's going through the simulation, he's doing the thing. And then all of a sudden he gets like so freaked out by it. He like rips off the helmet. So clearly has some effect on him. Did you catch the, like, because I mean, schizophrenia is marked by both visual and auditory hallucinations. There, or, there really was only one visual hallucination though. Did you catch it with the trash can? No. There's so, because you know how he's going through the simulation, he's hearing whispers and stuff. Well, at one point there's a trash can and there's these like fake spiders coming out of it. Um, and and even that that like spooked me. I was like, never mind. So um, yeah, it was interesting that, that that was all it took to yeah. kind of get Archer to come to his senses. So we go back to Dr. Charles and basically what they, what he ends up figuring out is that the reason this patient had an episode is that he had been starting a couple months ago to take this like health tea for like energy or some, some weird shit like that. So Dr. Charles found out, he called the health store for the, you know, the list of ingredients. And apparently one of the ingredients that's in this tea speeds up like how the body processes some of the meds this guy is taking, which effectively renders him useless. So basically as long as he cuts out the tea, like he'll be fine with his normal medication. So patient's all good. But so Dr. Charles goes to find Archer up on the roof, which, you know, green screen, I could still tell, but it's not as bad at when they have like the nighttime green screen as the daytime green screen. <laughs> right. But it's still not great, but nighttime isn't as bad as the daytime. <laughs> it's not as glaring. No, but we do get this like pretty nice moment between Dr. Charles and Dr. Archer. You know, Dean, I, um, I, I understand how terrifying it must be. What? Well, for a soldier to ask for help, right? For a soldier to think that they might be one of them. You know, someone who could lose it at any second, fall apart. Hey, that's, that's not gonna happen. It's always been so mysterious to me. You know, I think about guys like you and Ethan over there doing your jobs. You guys are like uh, bravest people I'll ever know. But, but when it comes to to saving yourselves, listen, it's it's not always so bad. It comes and goes. Anyway, I I get that it's complicated, okay? But I just I just want you to know. There's ever anything I can do, you know I'm around. Okay, so my question for you is, do you think Archer is, like, starting to become likable now? No. 
you felt nothing for this i was just kind of like okay because i mean the whole i'm sorry about neil like that's a given right like i I just i didn't really feel anything about it i was just like this is a step in the right direction i mean i thought this was a great moment now i think the test is really going to be does archer build on this and be like start to become more likable and less the way archer's been i don't even know what word i want to use to describe archer but like less irritable less grumpy less whatever like more pleasant to deal with you know all those things or is he still just gonna stay archer because i feel like this was somewhat of a breakthrough Mm -hmm. but it's not gonna be worth it if he doesn't build on it so hopefully we'll see him build on it but yeah definitely a step in the right direction but i like this i thought this was a good moment archer's best moment by far on this show yeah so yeah well i mean we'll see i'm just like i'm very meh on archer i'm just like okay you're here you're annoying i mean yeah he's definitely not my favorite but i'll be curious again where to see where he goes and if he becomes more likable after this because i thought mm-hmm. this was a decent first step yeah yeah so any other notes on med no but a solid mid-season although i am kind of now dreading not i still think it's gonna be great i'm not you know but if we're really this crockett avery blake triangle i'm really dreading that i'm really dreading that i mean the med writers have surprised us this season right there's no reason to think they won't surprise us in the back half and i'm having faith that i still think it's going to be a good back half but like oh man we'll see Oh oh man But this was a good finale. This was a really good finale. It was. There's no worrying about anybody's safety. Like, I'm I'm in a good place. Everybody's fine. Everybody's fine. Oh, it's so nice. Okay. Moving into fire. Fire time. Uh, Yeah, this did not worry me. I think a lot of people are worried about this. This really didn't worry me. I'm not. Okay, listen. I'm not worried because it's Derek and I know that like even if it takes a couple episodes I do believe that I don't think Miranda's leaving again like I think we're gonna be okay right they may not be great for a couple episodes but I think in the end they're still gonna get married one day it's gonna be fine they'd freaking better do I like the way this is playing out though in the meantime and do I have questions and am I kind of mad at Stella yes so like I don't like it but like I'm I'm kind of annoyed with Stella right now. So. so Severide is in the loft. He's alone. He's getting ready for work. And he texts Stella about the voicemail he left her. Let's just talk real fast about the screen grab. They like they showed the screen, right? I was actually really surprised that like Sev tweets with like punctuation and like emojis. I really like Sev strikes me as like the the like abbreviations but like two words and like a period at the end of the sentence he doesn't text he doesn't strike me as like a full-on texter yeah the thing that got me though i didn't even notice i wasn't even paying attention to that he uh, i just love he was like hey babe and i was like i died i was like okay this is cute yeah yeah the hey babe and then just like the just yeah punctuation like all that stuff i was just like oh okay all right. I wasn't expecting that out of Sev. I just, I figured he like text and run on sentences or just like, you know, <laughs> like, how are you? But like how, and then the letters are and you. See, I don't, I don't know. Now that you say that, I don't, I never would have pictured Sev as that kind of texture, but. I was just surprised. 
So they get back from the tree down call. More about that later. But Kylie finds Sev and is like, hey, Bowden wants to see you. So Bowden asks if he's heard from Stella and if there's something more going on. And so this conversation irked me a little bit because Bowden's like, well, there's a, there's an open Lieutenant spot here and she didn't come back to claim it. Like why, why didn't she come back to claim it? Okay. Hang on. This is not just some little hobby she's doing with girls on fire. This isn't something where she's just going to like, you can't just expect her to like leave it and come home. She's pursuing something she's passionate about. It, it made me a little mad that he just expected like, oh, her little girls on fire thing. Like, no, no. I, yes, I get that. I definitely agree with that too. But it's also, I think on the flip side, you can't sell, I don't know, again, we don't really know where Stella's head is at right now. That'll be for the next episode I'm imagining. But like if Stella's ghosting pretty much everybody, you can't also then, she can't expect to come back and expect that spot to be hers. And, you know, it's kind of like, maybe if there was some communication about, you know, hey, I'm only gone, you know, this many more weeks, I only do one more sweaty, you know, I'm only doing one more city, I swear, I swear, I swear I'm coming back. Maybe if there's just a little more communication, then, you know, we wouldn't be in this mess, but there's not. And that's, you know, the problem is that Stella's not communicating. Yeah, it, but I, it just, it just irks me like that's the assumption is that like, she's going to drop everything and come home and claim this lieutenant spot. Like there's not other things she may want to do. Like, yeah, she went through the lieutenant exam. Of course she wants to be a lieutenant, but she, what she's doing is so important for not just these girls, but like women in general, opening up the whole world of firefighting them. It's important. I'm not saying that it's not important because I definitely agree. And I definitely want more Chicago girls and fire stuff. And mm-hmm. I was thinking about this today, the fact that like it's been really nice to see Kylie, you know, in the firehouse, but I would love to see her back in the girls on fire stuff, which is how we, you know, found her and fell in love with Kylie in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, I just, I don't know, like to me, and I don't know whether this is just a product of the fact that like, I'm this storyline just seems so out of left field because of the fact that Miranda clearly had to not be on set for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So they kind of just were like, hey, Stella's gonna go do Girls on Fire in Boston for a little bit and whatever. Like earlier on, she was so focused and like kind of at the end of season nine and early in season 10, like her whole focus was like, yes, I finally became a lieutenant but I'm sad because I'm never going to find a place as good as 51. Right. And I wish I could stay here. I wish I could stay here. And so for me, it just seems so weird that like she got the chance, right? Like Casey left and yeah, that sucks. But now she has an open Lieutenant spot on truck 81, which is her home. Like that's where she wants to be. And she didn't come claim it. I'm not saying that what girls on fire is not important. And that like, obviously finish your Boston one, but like, I'm sure there was somebody or like, why didn't you ask Seeger to then also come? Hey, can you tag me out? I really need to go back and fix things at 81. Like go do the girls. You know, I just feel like, and again, I'm sure we'll get answers to all of this in the next couple episodes, but like, it just feels like for her to be like, oh yeah, 80, you know, I want to stay at 80. You know, I wish I could stay at 51. I want to be a lieutenant. I want, it just feels like, you know, the fact that she didn't come get it feels a little weird too. But again, I think that's just more of a product of like, this whole girls on fire storyline was clearly just a way to get Miranda out for a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, but it just feels weird. Yeah. I just don't think it's fair to expect her to like 
come home at their beck and call like okay but Stella I, we let you go for this long come home now come here Stella come here like that doesn't seem fair to me but I mean how I mean do you really think they can just be like oh yeah go off for five months I mean it's not been five months but you get my point right like you can't just also like things have to move on and like you can't just have an open spot either without being like I'm for sure coming home in two weeks yeah but I mean maybe she doesn't think that it it was a given that she'd get it I mean she probably would think that she'd have to go through a whole process and be stacked up against other lieutenants I mean but I think, I think that's fair to assume. Point, I think, I mean, but I think at the end of the day, this whole point comes back down to like Stella didn't communicate. And that's the problem here is that yeah. to say, hey, am I up for it? Hey, am I doing this? Hey, what's going on? Yada, yada. Stella just like is like, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Yeah. So I'm a little, I mean, I, it's just, again, it's all weird because we all know the reason why this whole storyline even happened in the first place. And, but, you know. Yeah. So Bowden basically just tells Kelly, like, if I don't hear from Stella by the end of the next shift, the, the lieutenant job goes to Pelham, which I, I'm still cool with. I'm still cool with Pelham. Like, I'm not mad. I, I listen, I'm not mad. I mean, again, I still would like Stella to eventually become truck lieutenant. And she obviously is going to be one day, you know, it's going to happen. Pelham is not going to be, I don't see Brett Dalton permanently joining the cast of, you know, fire. But I'm not minding it while he's, you know, he's fine. He's fine. Yeah. He's fine. Yeah. So Seb steps outside to call Stella when Seeger shows up. Why is she Fucking still here? This part. Yeah. Why? Like, why? So she is here to, and I quote, claim her beer and have him look over some crime scene photos. Look, claim your beer. It, a deal's a deal. I get it. You can't claim your beer when the guy's engaged. Can't do it. <laughs> I know. She's so, she's being so obvious. And Kelly's trying to be nice and be a friend, but like. Like, okay, I put this in the context no. of like, if this was, it depends on who the woman is, right? So if I know there's some girl out there who's like thirsting for Charlie and wants to claim her beer, I'm like, no, 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 we're, no. But if this is like some friend of his from college, if I know this other person, I'm like, yeah, dude, whatever. Go, like, we're all family. I don't care. But like, yeah, she's, She's made it quite obvious that she is thirsting for Severide. Like, yep. Which, yep. like, okay, honestly, Seeger can't blame you, but back <laughs> it up. Right. Back it up. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's tasting your eggnog and claiming your beer, and neither one is okay. <laughs> so, this is getting like dirty drinks over here. I don't know what's happening tonight. Really we're not is, even drunk. Like, we're not even drunk. That's the thing. No, we're, we're, drunk. we're both drinking water. Like, yep. Oh goodness. Now we know what's going in the what's going in the Instagram caption. So yeah. So Andy's like, oh, I know you can't duck me while you're on shift. Okay, now you're getting into creepy psycho stalker territory. Back it up. Mm-hmm. Back it up. So she tells him to meet her after shift. And so even then she's like, she she walks to the car and she's like, I know my winning smile and flawless personality may not seal the deal, but you can't resist what's in this envelope. You're an arson investigator through and through. You know it and I know it. We all know it, but we stop being so flirty. I, I agree with that, but ew. flawless smile, winning personality. No. So they go over the crime scene over drinks and Severide does Severide things. He talks arson to me and it's hot. You know, anytime he's like, well, I think this happened it, because this charge that went to here and we're just like, oh, <laughs> stop it. Like, 
Stop, it's so red. I'm flushing. <laughs> uh, and so Seeger tries to get him to come back to OFI. And she she looks at him, she goes, You and me, we're the Avengers. No, you're not. <laughs> like record scratch. Like, no, no, that's not how this works. You are not an Avenger. Kelly is the Avenger. Yes. Kelly is the Avenger. I don't even want to say that she's the Kate Bishop. She's not the Kate Bishop. No, she's- she'd be like. Hmm. she's like she's a thorn in the side she's whatever the dc equivalent is she's like (laughs) (laughs) she's justice league oh we got you burn (laughs) seeger you're justice league we told you (laughs) yeah oh man yeah no you're not the avenger he is the avenger he is the avenger not you no and so kelly's like yeah i'm not leaving squad anytime soon thank god like oh thank god thank god so andy's like you keep saying that but like someday it's gonna happen just so you know it's not gonna happen back it up back it up it's not gonna happen the same way claiming your beer is not gonna happen and i don't mean claiming your beer. <laughs> it's not gonna happen so stop trying to make fetch happen <laughs> so seeger has the balls to ask about stella but severite avoids talking about it because severite is a good man damn it yeah. Well, so she he's probably in his feelings. He doesn't want to talk about it unless it's with his BFF, but his BFF's not here to talk about it. Oh, <sighs> man. Everybody left Kelly. Poor Kelly. Except Seeger, who we wish would leave Kelly alone. She doesn't count. <laughs> we wish she would leave, and she hasn't. Be gone. Leave. <laughs> <sighs> so she gets up to go to the bathroom. Severi checks his phone. There's still no text from Stella. Stella rude so the next shift severide goes to see Bowden and mentions that stella's gone dark he's like i don't know what's going on anymore if she cares if she doesn't i can't tell you because i don't know and Bowden's like thank you for being honest like this sucks it's pretty much it yep. so then as pelham leaves shift Bowden asks pelham into the office before we get any further with this though with the, the stella thing did you catch the moment when Stella, or not Stella, when Severide and Pelham are walking in together and we basically find out where Pelham was during the season seven crossover? Yes, the fact that he was there and like watching Kelly rappel down the side of the building. Yeah, he's like, that was you? Like, <laughs> that was a great little like throw. I loved it. I loved it. it. But there is further proof that Severide is an Avenger. Yes. Like, oh, we you know what we that. need to do? We all need that. We need to take that clip of him rappelling down the side of the building and put it over the Avengers theme. Yeah. Or would that be more of a Spider-Man? Like Spider-Man, Spider-Man, like Spider-Kelly? Spider-Man. No, I think because because Spider-Man is Gallo. Oh, true. Yeah. True. true. Sev is just like a generic Avenger. Yeah, he's like a combo. Case Because we all considered Casey Captain America, right? Yes. We didn't consider Severide Tony, did we? I think it makes sense, like, as, like, leaders, but I don't think it makes sense for who Kelly is. I think mm-hmm. Thor makes more sense for Kelly. They don't yes. have the same personality, but I guess just, like, skill-wise, I would go with Thor. Thor He's whiny. Um, except for Ragnarok. Ragnarok's a great movie, but we digress. Anyway. Oh, P.S. I started watching Daredevil. I did too. I've only watched one episode though. 
Um, I, yeah, I got past the second one. I got it. I got it. Cause I, I had started it a couple months back and then I was like, eh, whatever. And then when I saw the news this weekend that Kevin Feige was like, yeah, Charlie Cox would play him. I was like, Oh, and getting back into this. Yeah. I've only watched one episode, but it's definitely over the next couple weeks for sure on my list. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Anyway, as Pelham leaves shifts, Bowden wants to see him in his office and Bowden offers him the full-time Lieutenant spot, which Pelham of course accepts. And he's really grateful for it. Like he's really, really thankful. And I'm, I'm totally cool with it. I, I, I would like Brent Dalton to stick around. In my, in my head, it's not, it's something where there's room for both Stella and Pelham. So I'm cool with it because like, I, I would like him to stick around, but in my head, they can both exist in the same place. No, I think they can both exist. And I think they will both exist for a little bit. I just don't see, like at some point we all know that if it's not Casey, that's Lieutenant truck on truck, it's going to be Stella. So at some point there is going to be something where Stella becomes that truck lieutenant. I don't know what that is or what that situation is, but yeah, I definitely think they're going to coexist for a little bit. It seems like Brett is sticking around longer than I thought he would, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's not a complaint right now. The longer he sticks around, the more likely we can have him on the podcast. Yeah. Already thinking, already 10 steps ahead of you. Already thinking about it. (laughs) But spoiler alert, we're not going to want to talk about fire. We're just going to want to talk Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As we do. And all our Christmas movies, because what you'll hear. Oh, because, yes. Yeah. And so. more about that at the end of the show. Yeah, because um, yeah, there is one on the list with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's kind of dreamy. I'm not even I'm not even mad. He's kind of dreamy. He's definitely dreamy. Definitely yeah. dreamy. Yeah. So any other notes on Sev? Oh, oh, oh well, I didn't get to the end. I didn't get to the end. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. So Severide gets home. Last scene of the episode. Severide gets home, opens the door. It's like the best Christmas present ever. Because who is standing there with her suitcase and her flawless curly hair? It's Stella. She's back. Thank, Thank God. God. <sighs> Thank God. And she just looks at him and says, hey, Kelly. And that's it. Okay. But Stella, you got some explaining to do. You got some splaining to do. You got some splaining to do. Yes. Got some splaining to do. I got questions, but I'm so glad you're back. Thank God. I mean, what do you think her reasons were? Why do you think she ghosted? Honestly, I don't know. I have no good reasons. I don't know. I've seen some theories that she's pregnant, but I don't think. I've seen some theories too, but I don't think that's accurate. Listen, if that's really what happens, I will be... I don't think she's pregnant. I don't think it's either, but if that actually were to happen, I would be shocked. Yeah, there there are only three babies in this universe who one Chicago has been nice to. Um, and that's over the span of 10 seasons. So if she's I don't think she's pregnant. I don't think they're gonna do that. Yep. Yeah. I don't can you name the three babies? Yeah, the Herman. Oh I can never remember which Herman baby it is. Um I don't remember the youngest one's name right now. It's not. But it's, it, not. Well, it's Herman Baby, uh, Terrence, and Otis. Yes. Good. Just checking. Just checking. Of course. Duh. Yeah. Yeah. Duh. Um, so, yeah. I, I. Where did she go? What was she doing? I mean, I don't. How long did she ghost for is my other question. Because if it was just like a day, maybe her phone died. But, like, if it was longer than that, then I, obviously I mean, we're in some trouble. I don't think, listen, she may have technically ghosted as a not responded for a day. I think, yes, that sounds correct. But clearly, Severide has been feeling like she's been hiding stuff. And the real reason why she keeps extending her trips and not really communicating for a while. 
I mean, she turned like a two week trip into eight weeks. I think it was eight weeks, right? That's what they said. Something like that. So like, you know. I mean, it really could just be good old fashioned imposter syndrome where she knew the spot was open, but she doubted herself. And since she's on the road, she doesn't have Kelly there to be like, you got this still a kid. But here's the thing, right? And I, again, we don't really know the reasons. We don't know anything. I think from Severite's perspective, he's probably going to look at it as like, hey, you've been on me, like part of the reason, you know, like you were on me season seven and, you know, even in season nine, a little bit too, like to communicate and to not shut you out and whatever. And even though you're not physically here, like you're shutting me out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think Severite just hurt the fact that, you know, he feels like she's probably shutting him out. When that's what she's wanted from him, like their whole relationship. Look, whatever Stellaride issues slash angst we have in the next episode needs to be squashed, like by the end of that episode. I'm really just ready. I mean, granted, you know, it's been however many seasons for Stellaride. Like, I'm really just ready for like married Stellaride, where the only problems they have are like the stupid fights about like unloading the dishwasher and, you know, you know, like stupid shit like that. I'm just ready for the angst. I'm just ready for them to be married officially and for there to be no real drama anymore. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's fair. I just want it. I just want it. I know. Just, I'm going to continue. Um... Oh, maybe she was working on a case with the FBI. There we go. We found a way to loop in the FBI. <laughs> oh man. We did it again. Oh, um, maybe she went to Europe and hung out with Foster Forrester while trying to help her solve a case. Um we found a way to do it, it again. It is Derek. It's international is more likely than New York. So it's true. It's true. It's true. Maybe she was hanging out in Budapest and couldn't tell Kelly. Maybe she's secretly CIA. There, I solved it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who knows? Anyway, moving into our favorite millennials. I love this storyline so much. Our favorite little lovesick puppy millennials. I love it. They're so cute. Take it away. Okay. So. Again, we've been leading up to Winterfest for a couple weeks now, and it's finally time. So shifts getting ready to begin. Gal and Ritter are talking about Winterfest prep. Gal mentions the fact that like they're bringing some of this IPA that Ritter made, and Ritter's like, no, 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 like I was just messing around, but like Gal's like, no, 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 like it's good, like we're bringing it. IPAs aren't that good in my opinion. If you're asking the wrong person, I don't like. Beer. I know you don't drink beer, so yeah. Um, what does IPA even stand for? imperial pale ale sure what she said <laughs> so now, now i gotta make sure that i'm right because i think there's two different types um well you're googling that so after the christmas tree call which again we'll get to in a minute um gala mentions to ritter that he's been thinking about violet a lot of course and ritter because ritter of course has found himself in the middle of all of this ritter's like listen like just don't mess up things with Kara until after the Winterfest. So like, it doesn't mess up with our booth. Like you can break up with her after Winterfest. And Gal is like, but Violet and Ritter's like, oh fuck. Like I'm, we're done. We're screwed. So Winterfest happens and things seem to be going well for Fire Goat. Uh, for, I want one of those Fire Goat t-shirts. Where can we get one of these Fire Goat? I know. I totally want some Fire Goat merch. I want. Derek, if you're listening, send us some our way, please. Or, or are we going to have to design it ourselves? Because we can do that too. Yeah, that too. But yeah. like, 
seriously i want some fire goat merch yeah make it like sell it for everybody on the nbc side i'd buy that stuff in a heartbeat in a heart oh my god a fire goat growler i'd be all over that you don't know what a growler is nope um beer, it's beer a, talk yeah is that some kind of like mug or something not a mug it's a big like container that you can get beer to go in um yeah and it's it's called a growler but okay. yeah so um i also just died at cap and tony expecting free beer and <laughs> cap we have an announcement about fire goat he's <laughs> like never mind I just, uh, LOL, like Captain Tony. Those two are hilarious. So Violet leaves to go. She's like, I'm going to go get the last few cases of beer. So she leaves the stand and Cara comes over and she's like, oh, Gala, like you're looking extra cute today. Yada, 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 yada. And Gala's like, listen, Cara, like we need to talk. So he pulls her aside. He basically breaks things up, you know, breaks things off with her. And of course she's pissed, just like Ritter guessed she would be. (laughs) So... Gala goes back to the stand and is like literally just about to like open up to Violet when of course there's like an announcement over the speakers that their IPA won an award. So of course, right after that happens, the booth gets swamped, you know, fire goats doing great, but just like, LOL. I also just died at the fact that like Kara being pissed from across the way, she's just like, mm. <laughs> the like, stink face. The, like, the, yeah. The glare from across yeah. the way. Um, so Yeah. So at the beginning of next shift, Gallo finds Violet in the bunk room. And again, he he wanted to tell her, you know, starting from like when she was in the hospital, he's been trying to tell her he has all these feelings for her. So he's trying to do it yet again, but they get interrupted by those damn bells. So those damn bells. Oh my God. Like the timing in this episode, every single time I was like, ah. Yeah. So he gets interrupted yet again. So after shift, Gallo and Ritter meet up at the brewing pace, the moon company whatever and Ritter's admits to Gallo that he didn't write down the recipe for the IPA Ritter not Gallo Gallo didn't fuck this up Ritter of all people and he's been working on trying to recreate the right combination but hasn't found yet what that thing is so they're a little screwed because now of course the IPA is what won them all those awards it's probably going to be their best seller but they don't know how to recreate it I was mistaken earlier. Um, it's not Imperial. I knew that too. I fudged it up. It's India Pale Ale. It's a, it's a lighter beer. Not my, not my cup of tea, but Brenda doesn't drink beer. So she has no idea what I'm saying. Anyway, go on. Yeah. Anyway. So while they're trying to work on the right combination, do it and Kara come over and basically kick them out of the facilities. Cause they don't have the right, like so petty. Yeah. Yeah. So of course, now they've got to do something with all their equipment. So Gallo and Ritter bring the brewing equipment to Molly's when Mouch and Violet and Brett are there. And they're like, hey, Mouch, can we store it here? And Mouch is like, yeah, 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 sure. Um, but Gallo's like kind of sad because he sees Violet and Hawkins talking and he's like looking on and he seems kind of bummed about this whole thing, obviously, because anyone who watches Violet and Hawkins definitely can see there's like some chemistry there. Mm-hmm. So Gallo's just like a little bummed. Um, and that's kind of how this storyline ends. But I did want to bring this up because it was in, again, there were a bunch of interviews that dropped previewing the finales. Um, and this I thought was interesting. So Derek said into TV line when previewing this that like, obviously now there's a new love player in the triangle with Hawkins and who, according to Derek, 
has taken a shine to Violet and the complication of that and the fact that he's her boss. There's a lot going on for the second half of the season after this episode airs. So I guess that means like Hawkins and Violet are definitively becoming a thing and it's going to be a complication that like he's her boss. It's fine with me. I mean, I'm here for, again, not my long-term ship, my long-term ship, definitely Gallo and Violet. Like that's what I want in the end. But if we get Hawkins and Violet for a little bit, I'm here for that. I like their chemistry. Yeah, I'm cool with it too. That just also the phrase of like taking a shine that just sounds so like 50s and old school. It makes me laugh. (laughs) Yeah, but I just thought that was interesting. So I guess it means confirmed we're getting Hawkins and Violet romance. I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. Just a thing. Just get it out of the way. Yeah. I Like I said, I want Gallo and Violet in the end, but like make Gallo work for it a little bit more, you know, like, yeah, here for it. Yeah. Yeah. That is all with our millennials. They're so cute. I love them so much. Yeah. Um, also, we got a Tuesday sighting. That was cool too. We haven't seen Tuesday in a minute. We did get a Tuesday sighting. That is correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, moving on to Brett. Brett had a really good storyline this episode. So yeah. Brett has the oversight panel on Friday to see whether paramedicine gets the full funding. And she's nervous. Like, she's really nervous. She's kind of scoped out board. And like, you know, she's, she's scared that they're just going to, like, have some stupid reason why they wouldn't. So Hawkins stops by and he's like, okay, well, I know one lady on the panel. And according to him, she'll be voting in favor of the funding. There's one person, his name's Tom Jensen, and he is kind of tricky. He doesn't really like to spend money, but apparently he can be swayed. So Hawkins leaves and Brett just mentions to Violent, like, yeah, he checked in on you a few times when, you know, when you had your appendix out and, you know, he got you the best room possible. And she was like, really? Okay. So Hawkins shows up again before the next shift and tells Mouch that his friend on the panel had a death in the family. So she won't be able to be there to push the program through. So he's like, listen, I have an idea, but you've got to take a ride with me. Like, help me out. Like, do this with me. And so they frame it like Mouch just got like pulled along. Like Mouch just had him shadowing on the paramedicine route. And he was just like, wow, like what a waste of time. So after shift, Brett walks out with Violet and Mouch and they're trying to encourage her and they show up and support her as she presents to the oversight panel. So this, this Jensen guy is about to be a stick in the mud and be like, we're not going to support funding. And they're interrupted by Hawkins and all of the paramedicine patients who speak on her behalf. So Hawkins went on the route with Mouch to talk to these patients and tell them what's going on and convince them to come and show up for Sylvie. It's nice. I've really come around on Hawkins. Like I remember in the beginning when he introduced and it's like, oh, do I really want to know? Like, I'm not going to like this guy, but I really like him. I I really, I've really come around on him. Does he do this if he doesn't have a crush on Violet, though? I don't know. I don't know. I think I'd like to think so. I hope so. I mean, he's another one who I'm like, he's dreamy. So I, oh my I would, god, so dreamy, so dreamy. Yeah, um, I would like sticking to around. Then he can him. come on the podcast too. So yeah, he can come on the podcast too. But I, I actually would like to see him in a Hallmark Christmas movie. Like, oh, mm-hmm. he's dreamy. Yeah. yeah. So uh, at Molly's, this is about they're at Molly's and Brett leaves a voicemail for Casey and just very patiently waits for a verdict. I just love this, how they're like, they're off shift, but somehow they're all at Molly's just hanging out. It's just because they're a big old family. Like what else are they going to do? Right. So they're there. They're like, they're talking. She leaves the voicemail. Hawkins comes to Molly's to personally let them know that paramedicine is fully funded. 
It's just really sweet. Like really, yeah. really sweet. It, to me, this is like with the whole thing at Molly's like years ago with me and my friends, like we would always somehow end up at the soccer stadium, even when there wasn't a game, like we would just look around and be like, how are we here? We're always freaking here. And that's how it is with them just hanging out at Molly's. Like it's close. And they're just like, we're always here. Just like, it always just ends up back at Molly's because they're just a big old family. Yeah. Love it. I love it. Love, love it. it. Love it. But yeah, great storyline for Brett. Um, I hope we still get to see more of her paramedicine now that it's like funded, right? Because obviously that was mm-hmm. like the challenge up until now was like, it's on a trial basis, but like, will it get funded? Now it's funded. I hope we still see paramedicine. Yeah. Because, you know, I would love that, but. Yeah, for sure. All right. So the last part of this episode is arguably the most hallmarky for what Derek <laughs> has been saying that like this is a great hallmark ep- like it really wasn't a Christmas until this storyline like this is the most Christmassy it got. So we start off in 81 and squad three get called to this like park plaza where the giant Christmas tree has fallen on top of some bystanders. So Match ends up taking a liking to this older couple. So we have Hugh who is trapped under the tree and is actually impaled by a tree branch. And then his wife, Sandra, is, you know, standing outside or, you know, around the perimeter. So they ultimately get Hugh out and back into the back of Ambo. And when they get back, Match is like reflecting on it to Herman. And he says, you know, like, you know, the older I get, like, maybe it's a cumulative thing, but, like, the rescues where we don't know what happened to the victims, like, they weigh on me more, and Herman's like, yeah, you know, it was simple, it used to be simple, you know, drop them off the hospital, forget them when we first started, but, like, I go through the same thing, um, you know, they're just kind of bonding over the fact that, like, you know, now that they're older and relate more to those people, you know, it weighs on them a little bit. So, Mouch decides to go to the hospital after shift to visit Hugh and Sandra, um, and according to Sandra, even though he's not awake, he's expected, you know, to make a full recovery, which is great. And so when Mouch gives Sandra the stocking gift from All of 51, she mentions the fact that Hugh's been playing Santa for the last 20 years, you know, at local malls and schools and all that stuff. Um, but obviously won't be able to this season because of the fact that he just got really injured. Um, and she's like, you know, when the tree fell, he apparently pushed two boys out of the way. Um, and Mount says, you know, just like as a firefighter, let me tell you, it's always amazing to hear about the heroism of our fellow citizens. So clearly he's a good guy, you know, kind of the point to hold this. Um, and they mentioned the fact that like he is, was supposed to be doing a Santa appearance at the Boys and Girls Club in the next couple of days. But obviously that's probably being canceled right now because of everything that has happened. So Matt gets back from helping Hawkins and Sandra. Oh, gets back from helping Hawkins and Sandra shows up at the firehouse. Um, Hugh's doing great. Again, he'll have to take season off from being Santa. The boys and girls club things happening, you know, yada, 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 all that stuff. Um, he's supposed to be released from the hospital in a couple of days. So Matt's just like, hmm, okay, taking note of that. So basically after Brett and them, they're all celebrating her paramedicine news. Mouch runs back to, from, the hot, from Molly's, goes back to the firehouse where Herman, Cruz, Cap, and Tony are waiting for him. They basically end up swinging by the hospital in truck to pick up Hugh and Sandra. They go to the Boys and Girls Club. They deliver presents. Hugh and Sandra are playing Santa and Mrs. Claus. It's all just like a huge heartwarming moment. It's a little good Christmas cheer. So sweet. Yeah. 
Um, again, just a little simple storyline. I love Match's heart. Like, I just, I, I enjoyed this. This was a good. This, this was, was a good, like, feel good mid-season finale. Yeah, it was for them. I mean, again, the sellerite of it all aside. But yes, it was a good season. This was one of their better mid-seasons. For sure, for just sure. Just for the yeah. fact yeah. that we don't, we're not sitting here worrying. Right. And I mean, you want to talk about like the most explosive of mid-season finales. This wasn't it. Like yeah. there, we know that the other two shows had more explosive endings, but it was, it was still an excellent episode. It was a good episode. I enjoyed it. It was really sweet. And, and it's nice to have an episode of fire where you're just like, that was sweet. Yeah. Again, for the most part. I'm not worried about the Stellarites. I'm just not. I'm not worried. Like, I'm not going to be sitting here all of break, like, worrying about the fact that I think they're going to break up or whatever. But, like, again, they have issues. Like, Stellarite is not in a good place. Like, it's not. It's still, for me at least, it plays a part in the fact that, like, this is not my favorite midseason. This is not an episode I particularly enjoyed because of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, I didn't hate this episode, but it wasn't my favorite part by far. So, like, it was fine. It was fine. Yeah. 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 All right. Is it PD okay. time? It's PD time. It's PD time. Stretch it out. Stretch it. Stretch it. We got a lot to talk about. Ooh. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Indeed. I know. We're, we're just we're stretching we're recording it out. This at like a decent hour. So we're like, we got energy. Like, I'm ready. Let's. Stop. We are ready to go. Ready yeah. to go. Okay. Whew. All right. Okay. So we start this episode and it is literally just a continuation of the end of the last one. So we are right at the spot with Roy's body and, you know, North is there. So North is giving Jay 36 hours to figure out what he wants to do. So it's either Haley and Jay or Void. That's it. Haley and Jay or Void. No brainer. No freaking brainer. Okay. So Jay gets in the car and like, He's got that face that like, oh shit, what do I do face? Uh, and this is one of those, this is one of those episodes of PD where like I got totally sucked in. So I see him doing like this face and I'm like, no, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. I'm like whispering to the computer and I'm like, not real. Stop it. <laughs> so Jay gets in his car, clearly thinking about everything. And Haley calls. He ignores it. He gets a text from Boyd. They caught a case. There's a scene. Jay pulls up to the scene of the bus station and there are shots fired. So he finds the bus driver shot and there's two male Hispanic guys who had fled the scene, according to the witnesses. So they get the security footage from the bus. There's the driver and there's a young girl and the driver had passed the young girl a note thinking she was a victim of sex trafficking. So they also see these two males come and take the young girl off the bus. They haven't come across them on pod footage. So that's all going on. Oh, we also got Jay's calm voice in this episode too. Did you catch that? When? When he, when he, because he, like they, they get on scene, the cop gets on scene and he's like, I'm going to stay with the driver. And, uh, and he does the whole like stay with me thing. And we got Jay's oh, calm voice. We did. We did. Hashtag blessed, man. Crockett with the charm stuff, like the eggnog euphemisms, like, you know, severite eyes. And then we got the calm voice. Not we mad. We did. Not mad. No. So then after Haley stops Jay and asks him why he didn't come home, like he said he was going to, but he just says, oh, I got hung up at central detention. You lie. You lie. That's okay. So back in the bullpen, intelligence goes over what they figured out. This young girl, her name's Willa Tan. She was in Arizona for the holiday weekend, but nothing pops on the two males. So Jay is distracted the whole time and she, he and Voight just kind of share this look. 
And so they meet up under a bridge somewhere and Jay tells him about the ultimatum that North gave him. Wait says he'll handle it. And Jay is like, uh, but you won't. I'll handle it, Jay. No. No. Yeah, I'm done with that. I'm here right now because of you handling things. I'm done with it. I'm done with being in the dark and with you taking care of things solo. Anything that's done from here on out, we're doing it together. I don't think you actually want that. No, I do want that. And I'm gonna trust that since I brought you into this, you're gonna give me that. We're not bringing Haley in. She doesn't need another thing to eat. So in the next 24 hours, you and me, we're gonna find another way out of this. Together. Yeah. This is a new Jay, and I am enjoying every minute of it. Yeah, this Jay I enjoyed. This Jay I enjoyed. is great. Yes. But yes. the thing that still bothers me, though, which is kind of what we previewed in something, I still don't understand why. I mean, I get it. Like, I get that Jay just thinks he's doing what's best for Haley, right? And that, like, she has been dealing with the guilt from this whole thing for so long that he doesn't want this to weigh on her but still like let Haley make that own choice her own choice like that her own her that choice herself Jesus my words I can't find them tonight uh, yeah and, and and we'll get into that more but yeah yeah I mean it still we'll kind of bothers it. me yeah <laughs> we're not bringing in Haley it's just like okay I know no. So Voight and Jay go to ask Platt for a favor, but they catch a break in the case. They've got witnesses putting the trio at a motel. They roll up to the scene. They don't find them. They find a lot of blood, a lot of blood, a lot. So they start searching around the premises and Voight ends up finding this girl bleeding out from her stomach along with one of the guys. Okay. The guy runs, but they get her to med. She had heroin filled balloons in her stomach. We've only already been here for this PD storyline before but it's fine i didn't really care about this case anyway yeah i didn't care about this case but also i feel like i know way too much about like carrying heroin inside someone's body thanks to cop shows like i know twice on this show alone Mm -hmm. yeah no and i there i mean i've seen other shows do it like queen of the south did it like in their first like two episodes but the only reason i watched queen of the south is because it films locally here it filmed locally here it's not there anymore but um I know way too much about it now. There's even a scene where Jay is just like, I almost called him Will. Jay's like, well, you had party balloons too. So no wonder they're like leaking into your bloodstream. I'm like, I knew that. Like, why would you use party balloons? Thin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Too many cop shows. Yeah. Yeah, So uh, she had heroin filled balloons in her stomach. She doesn't know the one who shot the driver, but she just knows that his name is Mateo. Um, But the other guy, she's really hesitant. She won't say anything else. Just, you know, that's about it. So intelligence keeps on searching about willa and how she knows the recruiter but voight discreetly hands jay a file and it's their way out quotes and they just have this moment where they're like but and Voight's like but what and jay just goes this is unethical and there's no guarantee it's going to work and then Voight just he's like did you really think we were going to find a clean ethical way out of this and jay's like no i guess not and if this is all we've got then we'll move on it just very interesting to see jay the switch from jay but I get it. I completely get it. Like, yeah. Well, I, I, I have yeah. thoughts, but we're not there yet. Yeah. We're not there. No, they're not. Okay. So Jay goes undercover at this homeless encampment and he tricks some guy into buying drugs from two undercover cops. Turns out the guy was North's brother, which I pegged immediately, by the way. When he saw oh, them, yeah. I was like, oh, that's the brother. Okay. Uh, and he's always bailed him out when he's gotten arrested for drugs. Like North has always bailed him out, which means that's obstruction of justice. That's, you know, official misconduct, all sorts of dirt. 
So Haley stops both of them on their way back into the district, but Voight leaves to go back to the case, and Jay and Haley have this moment. And you didn't think to bring me into it? To tell me what the hell's going on? I could've- what, what, what could you have done right now, Haley? Would you go talk to North for me? You're gonna tell him I'm not involved? No, Jay, I'm gonna turn myself in. That's exactly why I didn't tell you. That is not the answer right now. I don't wanna see you go to jail. I love you. And there is no way in all of this that Roy Walton is the one person that gets justice. He doesn't deserve it. It's not right. That much I know. It's you and me, or it's Void. Or it's this. And I don't want any of it. But here we are. And none of it feels right to me at all. Again, I completely get it. I don't know if you wanted to talk about your feelings now with Haley, but like. No, this yeah. still isn't my problem. And my problem is still later on. Okay. Okay. The scene that made me mad was still later on. Okay. Do you want to take it from here? Yeah. 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 Um, so again, Haley, you know, she feels like she has to turn herself in. Jay's like, no, no, no. Like, this is what we're doing. We're still going with this. So they're back in the bullpen. They still don't really know how to connect Willa to the guy who recruited her. But they finally figure it out. So they go back to question her at the hospital and they pull out a picture of her and this guy, Nikki Sanchez, as kids. Um, So clearly they've been close in elementary school. Like that's how she's connected him. Um, But the way they get her to finally talk is they actually show her pictures of another girl that they did this exact same thing to. Um, She finally ends up giving them information on like where Nikki would go. They find him in the other guy, Mateo, there. Um, Nikki is badly injured but they end up getting both guys you know yada yada yeah again case doesn't matter here the case is not what matters here no not at all yeah this is the scene i have a problem with so before jay heads out to go see north and give him you know his final today boyd's like hey come talk to me for like five minutes and they have this chat outside jay just because we have dirt it doesn't mean we have to use it let's do the easier option Okay. Just give me up. I have made my decision. We're not doing this. Yes, we are. Jay, we have done this your way the whole time. My way? Yeah. And we both know you're going to regret it. You don't want to do this. And I don't want you to do this. So just listen to me. Jesus, can you... Jay. Look, you give me up. Your conscience is clean. No. Jay. Jay. I know all I believe. And I've always known some case is gonna get me in the end. If this is that case, well, you'll be all good. I'll be fine. Believe me. I will be just fine. It is not that easy. It can be. No, it can't be. No good to anybody sitting in a jail cell. You don't think I know that you're good for the city? I wouldn't be here working with you for 10 years if I didn't think it was all worth it. That you're worth it. And I don't want to give you up. But you shouldn't have to pay for this. I will. One way or the other. 
because we always pay the cost for you. I'm already paying it. I know. I know that. So give me up. I'm telling you, Jay, this is the best option. Give me up. Okay. My problem with this whole thing is that, like, I get it. We all kind of called, right, that, like, as much as we wish that Jay would just turn Voight in, that he probably wasn't going to, right? That they were going to find, like, a third solution. Mm -hmm. It wasn't going to be Jay and Haley. It wasn't going to be Voight. It was going to be a third thing, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, that's not even the part that I guess at this point makes me mad. The part that makes me mad is the way they're kind of turning Voight into a martyr here. Yeah, the way Voight's, like, trying to be, like, yeah, yeah, I like, see we what you're saying. From, like, I, we obviously, for the most part, everybody watching wanted Voight to finally be punished for his actions. But we went from Voight being potentially punished for his actions to Voight being like, no, everything I do is fine. Like, you know, like I'm the good guy here. And it's like, no, you're not. Like, that's the part that gets me is that like, I feel like there was just such a switch, like obviously in Jay, but in the where they even portraying Voight, it just kind of really irked me. Can you even be called a martyr if you're the one who should have gone down to begin with? I just, I just, it really, like I said, it really bugged me that Voight is all of a sudden, like, I know that some case would always get me in the end. And if this is the case and Jay's like, no, you're good for the city. Like I wouldn't be. And I just like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, I mean, wait aside, like him going down as the murder, like screw you, dude, shut up. But I did appreciate the line out of Jay saying that, like, you think I, you think I don't know that you're good for the city. Cause that, if we didn't get that explanation, that would have been something I would have jotted down as a question for Jesse of like, why does he stay? Why the hell does he stay? It's cause it kills him, but he knows that Hank is good for the city. Now I think Hank's like, I think that See, I have an issue. I guess maybe this is where I have an issue with this personally and just mm -hmm. me being who I am is that I don't understand how, well, first two questions. I still don't really understand. I would love to know. And again, if we ever get to pick, like really pick Jesse's brain, I would love to know when he thinks the switch was in mm -hmm. Jay because clearly Jay's not always had that stance, right? Like, I guess deep down somewhere that like he probably would have quit his job if he didn't think that everything was all worth it. But I would love, there was always a stance at some point where Jay felt that Voight wasn't that great, right? And that he had his issues with the way Voight did things. Mm -hmm. And I would love to know when Jesse thinks that switch is, like mm -hmm. where that switch kind of had. But I also just like personally, I don't know. I just guess I, maybe I'm just me. I don't see how someone who acts and polices the way that Voight does is good for the city. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe, so maybe I'm just personally having an issue with it and really have an issue with it. Cause like, I don't agree with that. Like there's a difference between, I think being, you know, a stern cop or someone who's like very enforceable of the rules and the way that Voight goes about things and like, takes people's head and puts them on like hot burners and like you know like that you know throws them in the cage and you know all that stuff do you um, think this is out of character for jay kind of i'm gonna be honest kind of so it crossed my mind like it did cross my mind but the whole thing that came up to that, that just reminded me here because i mean we see how this plays out right jay 
loves Haley in a way that he, I, I don't think he's ever loved anybody before. Like, right. Ever. Cause we've never seen him go to such lengths to protect somebody he loves. Right. right? This shows me that like Haley is his soulmate. He would die for her. He loves her like that. She is it. She is his person. Right. Right. Um, so uh, I'm, yeah, I'm having a hard time reconciling this because it doesn't seem out of character for me. I think it's just something that Jay didn't know he had in him. And we hear him say it um, when he says it to North later on about how like everybody changes everybody. Jay's allowed to change his mind. Uh yeah, no, and it, again, it's not necessarily, it's not, I don't think, what I don't think is out of character for Jay is, like, like the decision to do this and, right, to find a third option. That's not the part that bothers me. The part that I think is kind of out of character for Jay is, again, the fact that, like, he said to Voight that you're no good to anybody sitting in a jail cell. I don't, like, you don't think I know that you're good for the city. That, to me, just feels out of character just because, I still felt like up until like two episodes ago that Jay was on not on team Voight and you know hated everything that Voight stood for and now I feel like that's not the case yeah yeah I just want to know where what changed and why that changed and if they can somebody can explain that to me then I think I can understand it. But I just felt like up until even, hell, not even two episodes ago, last episode, that it was always like the Civil War was clear, right? Like there's that fan poster that like it was Voight, Haley, and Adam. And then you had Jay, Kevin, and Kim. And I felt like the line was very clear. And now they're telling me, oh no, that Jay's kind of on the team Voight. And so now I don't know what to think anymore. It's not the, again, it's not the fact that Jay found the third option and yada, yada, yada. Because I yeah. do I believe everything you did, right? Like Jay deep down loves Haley. He did it ultimately to protect Haley and yada, yada, yada. Even Voight to an extent, his family, yada, yada. That's not the part that bothers me. It's that line. And again, until the end of the episode, like the first time I watched this and I saw this scene, I was like, fuck this shit. I was like, I, I, hate, I really didn't like this. The end I of would... the for me, but like this, I, I really didn't like this scene. I, I, this is probably me just giving my Halstead boys the benefit of the doubt because I'm a sucker for them. What can I say? But I would like to think that he's referring to like the end result there, right? Like he's referring to the fact that they, they put bad guys behind in jail. They, the end, you know, that they, they get the ends that they'd like. I think his problem is with the means, like the ends don't justify the means. His, his problem was with like the method. I think that's where the civil war stems from but here. Okay. And maybe again, maybe this is getting to whatever, and again, I love Jay Halstead too. You know, like Jay is my favorite character. So I think that's why I'm, this scene makes me mad. It's just, I don't understand how the ends can, you know, if you're fine with the end result, like I don't understand, you can't just ignore the middle, how you got there. That's true. And we know he's not okay with how the Marcus West case ended because that changed him for life. He's not okay with a lot of cases. I mean, there's been a lot of pushback on, you know, certain things and yada, yada, yada. And I just, like, like I said, I don't understand and Jay, I don't know. Again, I think it just, that line just seems to challenge everything I thought about Jay. And mm. so if that's not the case, then I would just like some explanation and I can be maybe okay with it, but that's just, I, I don't know. If we don't get Jesse on this podcast in 2022, I swear. But if we come at him, the first thing we say is like, what I just, you know, the fact that like what changed, like what, what made, you know, yada, we're going to blow his fucking mind. <laughs> he's like i'm never coming back yeah it's gonna be like way too it's not yeah it's not gonna be what i want but like i said i just it just is not what i thought 
Jay, you know, where Jay stood on things. Yeah, that, it's, it's a good point. And I, I, I think in my head, what I'm doing is that I think it, maybe I don't want to admit to myself that that was probably out of character. Like, yeah. But like I said, this scene, the first time I watched this, because it was like midnight on Saturday, I watched it after we finished, stayed up and watched La Casa together. We, yeah, so we did. <laughs> I watched this, it was like midnight or 1am or whatever. And so I'm like delirious because I'm still very emotional over that. And I watched this scene and I was pissed. And again, the ending, it's, I love the ending and I love, you know, what we're getting ready to get to. So it's not that I just, this scene just felt so out of character for me. Like I said, it challenged everything I thought about Jay. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, what was that scene? I hated it. I hate the scene. I mean, I, I get his willingness to use the file. I get it. it but that's yeah, the, no, I get what you're saying. Part, that's not the part that bothers me. It's yeah, that, it's just that line. It's that line. It's that mm-hmm. line. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, not the, it's not the file part. It's that. So Jay goes to meet North at the same site where they found Roy's body. And Jay starts telling him, you know, like what they know about North's brother. And basically, ultimately, uses that to get him to drop the Roy Walton case. You want to protect your family, the city? So do I. So what's it going to be, North? Okay. Into these five traffickers. Okay. You know, I looked into your unit for months. Looked at every member, looked at you. I was so sure that you were the one. Kid from a rough home, mother he had to care for, who died a brutal death from cancer. Half a decade in the army, multiple commendations for this job. I thought you would be the one person. The one who knew exactly who he was. The one Voight wouldn't be able to corrupt. I honestly didn't think he could change you. Everyone changes everyone. No. Not if you don't let him. So your brother didn't change you? So like I said, and then kind of following up on this, like, I understand, like, if, if Jay changed, then okay. I just, like I said, I didn't see it necessarily in episodes. And so if Jay changed, I would love to know what Jesse thinks, like, where he thinks that Jay changed. I bet the ultimatum might have changed him. The ultimatum might have been what pushed him over. Maybe. Because then it just became like he's got to save his ass and Haley's. Maybe, but I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. But. So yeah, so Jay goes to see Voight and tells him it's over, but he's like, you know, but it's going to be different now. Like you and me, you know, you say to always like tell me the truth so I can lie for you like from here on out you know you tell me the truth you bring me in so we don't have to lie anymore so I can protect you from yourself and Jay Voight doesn't really say anything but it's obviously kind of understood that like yeah sure that's the new normal interesting yeah I'm curious to see how that changes their dynamic like what their dynamics like when we come back 
Yeah, it is going to be interesting because he, I mean, he said, so we don't have to lie anymore. So, okay. Again, I'm curious to see how this changes everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if, it cha- if it even changes at all, just because the way PD is structured, it may not even change anything at all. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll be curious. And then, and then we get to and then that nobody saw coming. So Jay goes back to his and Haley's place where she's like waiting for him to see how things went, yada, yada, yada. And he says the three words. He says, marry me now. And what do they do? We go to this montage back and forth where we see Jay and Haley legitimately getting married, doing their vows. And also interspersed with like super sexy time. Jesus Christ. Cue the wedding music again. I know. I still can't believe it. I can't either. I can't either. You guys, I like usually when like something happens on like an explosive finale, it like stays with me the rest of the day. The rest of the day, like after I watched this, I would text Brian at like intervals, like certain hours and just randomly be like, they're married. Literally. Um, they're married. Like I'm I so know. happy. I know. And that, that shot of Haley and like the turtleneck with the leather jacket, just like, oh yes. Guys, Jay Health said it's officially off the market. They're married. Officially off the market. Sporting a wedding band and everything. I'm so happy. Okay, but let's be real. Nobody saw Upset as the first couple, one Chicago couple, of the big ones, I'd say, to get married. Nobody saw that coming. I pretty much thought I was going to be married for either one of those couples. (laughs) I thought it was going to be Celluride. I I really, I mean, I kind of, because I still think hopefully this season is the Celluride's wedding. Like, I thought it was going to be Celluride. I did not think it was going to be Upset. I, you know what I absolutely loved about this episode, Wedding Aside, is that I love that Jay put himself first. Like, I love that. Instead of him just being like, okay, well, I guess we'll just take the fall for Voight and, you know, the greater good, blah, blah, blah. Oh, no. He was like, no. Like, it's my turn to take a, let's take a selfish, which is a reference from Schitt's Creek. But, like, he put himself first. He put him and Haley first. He protected them. And then he said, you know what? I don't want to wait anymore. Like something, things can change on a dime. Let's just get married now. Like, fuck it. And that is such a wedding that I would expect them to have too. Oh yeah. I could never imagine. I mean, as great as it would be to see Jay in a tux, like that's not them. Like this, no. the two of them, you know, at the courthouse or whatever, like that is them. That is them. Okay. But we have questions, right? So do well, they go, do they walk into intelligence? I know I have questions about what oh, happens. Oh. Okay. Not, not about that. So next episode, do they walk in and they're like, bam, we're married. Do they take off the rings? Do they hide it from the rest of their coworkers for a little bit? I just, I need to know what happens. I could see either one because Jay's had this shift now where he's like, fuck it. So I could see either one where they keep they it like, secret or they walk in and they're like, Hey, Hi, people. How are you? How are you? Oh, hello, Burgess. I'm like yeah. waving with like the back of his well, hand. I'm sorry, I'm doing the wrong hand. So yeah, yeah. I I don't know because do people even know they were engaged? I don't know. Does Will know? <laughs> um, <laughs> Does Will know? I don't know if they knew that they were engaged. I knew, like I'm. We we I saw that they were really like go around like wearing a ring. No. 
That's so them though, to like be engaged and not wear a ring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The detective work from the fandom though, I was like super impressed, like super impressed. I saw some posts where people were like, well, Nick isn't in the beginning credits. So that means they're not getting married because that means Will's not there. Uh, and then there was also like the, it was like in, in the rating, it was like, there was the, the S for sex and people were like, ooh, that means this because there's sex in the episode. I was like, you guys are good. <laughs> like, I literally wouldn't have, I did not even no, I saw those posts, but I was like, wouldn't didn't wouldn't have crossed my mind. So nothing gets past this fandom. Like seriously, nothing. I know, like I know it's crazy. nothing. Um, it's amazing. But I really am excited to see like just Jay sporting a wedding band from here on out. Like I don't know why that's super sexy to me, but like that's really sexy. Well, no, you know what I can't wait for is like I'm Jay Halstead. This is my wife, Haley Upton. Oh, or like this yep. is my husband, Jay okay. Halstead. Okay. Haley doesn't change her name though, right? No. No. Fuck that. Yeah. Because I was going to say she wouldn't be Haley Upton, but no, she doesn't change her name. No. Yeah. Yeah. They're married. I know. I know. I know. Okay. But now we get Upstead married. Let's let's go back to the Berziks now. Can we get back to the Berziks? Like, let's right? move that along. Find Kevin a woman. Like, let's go. Yeah, right? Stellaride, pull it together. Yeah, Stellaride, pull it together. Um, Casey, when he eventually ever comes back from war again, like, we got things to do. Okay, we got the upsteads. They're happy now. So, like, move on from the upsteads. We got other people to focus on. They're married. I love it so much. I love it. And I, like, oh, I love that, like, this did not break them. That, like, Jay was like, no, I don't care. Like, we're going to be okay. Ugh, Jay yeah, has- no, I was glad to be wrong. Jay's a grown-up now. He's a grown-up. I was glad to be wrong. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. I'm, and I'm happy now that like I, I think they're gonna like, I think they're gonna last too. I don't think anything is gonna come along that's gonna like be stupid and break them up. Like I mean, they're gonna have stupid fights, right? Like this is still TV. Like they're gonna have angst, they're gonna have stupid fights. Like mm-hmm. this is TV. But yeah, I don't, hopefully they're not going to get divorced. Never. No, I, I don't even want to put that into the universe. I'm, yeah, never say never, but yeah. I love seeing them happy. Like, I know. I know. I know. The super sexy time, like the scratches. I was like, damn, Haley. That's what I'm saying. I was like, that is not for the pain of, that is definitely only something that could happen in the 10 o'clock hour. I was like, Haley Ann, we are on NBC, ma'am. <laughs> but it is the 10 o'clock hour. So I think they yeah. can get it. That's why they can get away with it. But yeah. Right. Right. So I just want to like stay in this moment for like ever. I, I just, I, I love seeing them happy and I love that Jay put himself first. And I love that we're really seeing now like, just how much he loves Haley because these are decisions he wouldn't have made seasons ago. But now he's like, oh, wait, it's me and Haley. Like, I have to protect her too. Like, well, she's home for him. And the thing that kind of goes with that too is when he's talking to Haley and he says, you know, like, there's no way that the one person on all of this that gets justice is Roy Walton. Like, mm-hmm. that is not the person who deserves it, um, you know oh but wait a second the one person who needs justice the most kim freaking burgess still doesn't know yeah that's definitely a we that's what i'm saying we got the upsets they're married now they're sporting wedding bands like 
obviously there's going to be some fallout from the Kim side. I think whenever Kim learns that they all knew. Are they even going to tell her at this point? I don't know, but like, I'm going to be mad if they don't. I just, yeah. That, yeah, that was an interesting distinction when Jay was like, oh, that like the only person who's going to get justice is, is Roy. I'm like, no, the one who needs the justice the most, you work with her. Like, fix this, please. Yeah. I don't think they're even going to tell her at this point. Oh, but that's so bad. That's so bad. I know. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's no reason to keep it. Kim's not going to narc. Yeah, let the woman, I mean, I'm sure she's still, like, torn up over, but it may be less than she was, but, like, yeah. Oh, God, imagine in the back half of the season, like, if the brother dies or something and now North has nothing to lose, and that's how Burgess finds out. Oh, God, don't even put that, what are you doing? Why are you putting this out there? We're one Chicago fans. We 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 know how to brace for the worst and hope for the best. <laughs> want it. I mean, we... We talk about how happy these mid-season finales were, but we know we have a whole back half of the season to deal with for all three shows. More than a back half. We got, this is episode nine. About like 13 episodes left. We have more than half a season to go. Yeah. I yep. know. Fuck it. I'm, yeah. All that matters is right now they're married. They're married! Yeah, yeah. We're That's, that's 2022's problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a problem for future Jay and Haley. Future Kim Burgess. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was so good. It was so good. Yeah. So um by this point in time, if you're listening to this right after the episodes aired, there are probably some postmortems that have dropped. Um I wonder if Gwen did any where she addresses what the second half of the season's gonna look like. I don't know. I know. Again, it is not it is the future, so our the past, so we don't know yet. Yeah, when you're listening to this, it's the past. So yeah. <laughs> It's happening in the future. We are in the past. We are in the past. Yes. 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 We are pre season finales right now. <laughs> so, uh, oh God, like any other notes on PD? They're married. <laughs> They're married. Oh, oh, I know what. Cause I remember I texted you right off the bat when the episode began that this episode is like an A plus 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 episode for intelligence fashion choices. Um, what was it? I, I think it's Kevin. Kevin has a new like green jacket that I was like, nice. I see you. That looks good. It's like an A plus episode for fashion. Yeah, that's what you texted me. I was trying to go back through our texts and see what you texted me. But yeah, you said it was an A plus plus choice for fashion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was a good fashion episode. So, um, yeah, I think that they're married. They're married. So exciting! It's so exciting. All right, so that's about it for tonight. Um, as always, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, meet us at Molly's right across the board. Um, email us anytime about anything. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Seriously, we're around. We're watching other stuff, as you know. So email us about anything, seriously. Uh, if you like the show, which we really hope you do, because you've made it to the end of this episode, uh, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Oh my God, we would so greatly appreciate that. We haven't had a new review since like January. We know you're listening. Please, please. Uh, if you'd like to support the pod for as little as two dollars a month, check out the link in our Patreon page. I think I already said that, but I said it again. So check the link in our socials. Follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Brenna, I am at Brenna K13. 
So here's the deal for next week, guys. Um, it is our third annual Hallmark Christmas movie episode. Third annual. So us weekly senior entertainment editor and a fellow shy hard who does the Lord's work, Emily Longaretta, she is coming back. We're going to talk about Christmas movies. Um, we've got like two sections. We've got like the one Chicago alum section and then the one tree Hill alum section. So um, if there's any other Christmas movies that you guys have been watching along the way, please let us know. Um, let us know what you yeah. like about them. Uh, we have, I have some hot takes. So, Ooh, Ooh, that'll be good. So yeah, send yeah. us, send us your recommendations. Tell us what you're watching and we're going to have a great Christmas episode next week. And uh, yeah. So in the meantime, dream those sweet upstead dreams. Cause they're married. <laughs> they're married. Uh, yeah. And we will see you guys next week. Bye.